Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is our special open spoiler discussion of the finale, Loki Episode 6. We're going to discuss this in a full open spoiler format. Big warning, and, uh, you know, heads up to everybody who's watching this. In case the title and what I said didn't just make it very, very clear, this is a full open spoiler discussion for people who have already seen the last episode of Loki. So if you haven't seen it, and you don't want to know spoilers, I highly suggest you just add this video to your favorites list, come back and watch it later, because we're going to talk about everything involving Loki Episode 6. And it's good to have you guys here. And well, guys, it's done. It's done. Hello to everybody. We just uh, we just launched. We've got like 450 people in the chat. Good to have all you guys here. Um, it's over. It's over. Loki is now done. It feels like just yesterday... We were excited about WandaVision starting anytime soon, but now WandaVision's come and gone. Falcon Winter Soldier's come and gone. Loki has now come and gone. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right up front. I overall enjoyed Loki. I had a good time with it. There were a couple of weak episodes, and, you know, I talked a lot about that. But overall, I thought this was an enjoyable, uh, a really enjoyable uh, series overall, that sort of thing. But I, I still put it third behind WandaVision, which I absolutely loved. I absolutely loved WandaVision. And then I really liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so that's second. And then Loki is coming in third behind that, but still liked it. I liked the finale. It wasn't a, The finale to me wasn't a complete home run, but overall it was a solid landing. You know, it was a solid landing for the finale. It answered main things. It wrapped up main things. It left other things as open doors to lead into other MCU stuff, or as we now know, Loki season two. Now, of course, it was just yesterday that we were talking on the open spoiler or on the, uh, I should say, the pregame show. Somebody was asking, you know, do you think there's going to be season two? And, and one of the things you guys remember I said was, well, look, there's a reason why Kevin Feige called WandaVision a limited series because it is a one-shot thing, but he did not refer to Loki as a limited series. I said, so there's a reason for that. WandaVision was intended to be one and done. It's a limited series. Just got nominated for Best Limited Series at the Emmys, as a matter of fact. But Loki did not get that designation. So I said, you know, there's a reason for that. Now, I didn't think they would announce a season two immediately. I, th I thought there would be a little bit before we get word on a season two, but there it is. They announced it right away, which meant doing multiple seasons was always part of their long-term plans. And listen, I want to spend really the whole time here today taking your guys' thoughts, comments, observations, and questions about the last episode of Loki. But just a reminder, these special spoiler videos, the play-in chats, the pre-game shows, you don't use the tip link in the description of this video to get in a question. That's for the John Campia show. To get in a question on these special videos, you simply use the YouTube Super Chat feature. That's how we keep these separate from each other so they don't get intermixed with each other. So that's how you do it if you want to fire one in. So I'm going to spend most of today just taking your guys' input. But I do want to say one thing. Leading into the final days before Loki Episode 6 came out, a lot of people started to shift towards the idea that it was going to be a Loki variant at the end. And I thought there was very good reason to believe that. I thought if you believed that the big guy at the end was ultimately going to be a Loki variant, you're not crazy for thinking that. This is a show about Loki. The main theme of this show has been about Loki really battling himself. So thematically, 
it's it's not unreasonable to think that at the end this could be a big Loki variant that he's going to have to deal with, and I that was definitely a possibility. But I continue to say I lean way more towards it being Kang, because everything in this show points towards Kang, Ravona, uh, Eliath, the the uh, the Void Palace, the fact that Kang was written on Avengers Tower. Uh, the whole time travel nature of the show. I said, this is exactly like the Agatha situation in WandaVision. Everything in WandaVision kept pointing towards Agatha, which is why I didn't think it would be Agatha because I thought they were making it too obvious, but it turned out to be Agatha. And I, and I've been saying that this is the exact same thing as the Agatha situation there. Everything in this show is pointing towards Kang. Therefore, I think you got to lean. It's totally reasonable to think it might be a Loki variant, but I think you got to lean towards Kang turned out to be Kang. Now, a couple things I thought would happen that did not happen. Um, I thought we were going to see Mobius on the jet ski. Didn't happen. Uh, I wasn't sure this was going to happen, but my prediction was uh, was that Sylvie would die in the final episode. Obviously did not. Um, I did think Mobius, right from episode one, I said, I bet this thing ends with Mobius taking over the TVA to run it the right way. And then in last night's episode, he's talking to Ravona and he's like pitching this. He goes, let's, let's run this thing together. Let's, let's, let's really fulfill the true mission of the TVA. But then she rejected it. So I was like, ah, oh, I came that close to being right about that, but I was wrong about that. Uh, and you know, a bunch of things I was right about, a bunch of things I was wrong about, just like all the shows. Uh, how did you guys do on your predictions? Want to know that now, but listen, guys, let's forget what I have to say. Now let's jump in. And start, spend the rest of our day here taking your thoughts, comments, questions, observations, theories, whatever, about now the completed season one of Loki. All right, let's not waste any time and jump into it here. We're going to start things off here with uh, Ismail Montoya writes, what an episode Renslayer pulled a white vision. Yeah, she kind of did a little thing. They left her with an open door. What are you doing? Searching for free will. Out the door she goes. She did pull a little bit of a white vision there. All right, next up. Fanimator writes, that was unsatisfying. No Mobius jet ski. Uh, I mean, come on. We all wanted to see the Mobius jet ski, but that didn't need to be there. That that wasn't important to the narrative. Come on. Um, Kang, I was in the Loki variant gang before. Most people were, I think. Don't worry about it. Branching timelines means no way home. I don't know what it means for the overall MCU. Like, really, how the events of this Loki series are going to directly affect the upcoming properties i'm not 100 percent clear on obviously they will have an impact uh but how and to which way i'm not really sure i will reiterate what i said on the john campus show earlier today i'm a little worried that marvel is now heading into territory that is going to alienate a lot of the general movie going audience and, and and general entertainment consuming audience they're getting into heavy, heavy comic book geek material here with all massive timelines and all variants and multi-universes and all this kind of stuff. And I don't think that's going to be appealing to a lot of people in the general audience. I, I was saying on the story this morning on the show this morning that I had a buddy of mine I was talking to who, you know, isn't like hardcore into comics, but knows a, a bunch of comics. And he was like, I have no idea what's going on. And I could just tell it left him not enjoying himself because he just, yeah, I have no idea. This is getting kind of silly. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I got all the faith in the world in Kevin Feige. If anybody's going to be able to make this like coherent, it's going to be Kevin Feige. So let's see how that goes. All right. Next up. Uh, we've got Abe 10 alpha rights. 
I'm actually terrified for what comes next in the MCU. I haven't felt this shook since the Thanos snap. What a finale. And again, it's going to be really interesting, Abe, to see what kind of direct ramifications are going to happen in Spider-Man. And I mean, obviously this leads into Doctor Strange. Report came out this morning that Loki is going to be in Doctor Strange too. So there's a lot of interesting connections that we still have to see how they're going to uh, match up. All right, Iconic Reactions writes, Doctor Strange about to have a field day. He's about to be like, Ayo, Dramamu, you still want to make a deal? The multiverse is going to be way more crazy than we think. I hope not. I hope not. Again, I my fear is... You know, the thing that, is, that has made Marvel, in my opinion, the most successful, the most powerful thing in all of entertainment is the fact that they have appealed to the hardcore comic geeks, but they've also very much appealed to the average entertainment consumer. And I worry, like you just said, Iconic Reaction, like this is going to get totally nuts. I'm not sure the average audience is going to come along for that ride. And so I, I don't know, but again, if anybody can make it straightforward and like really palatable to the average movie going and average entertainment consumer, it's Kevin Feige. So let's see what they do with that. All right. Next up, uh, we've got Jesse Keller who writes, Jonathan Majors killed that role. Season two can't come soon enough. Dude, when that door opened and it was Jonathan Majors, I'm like, yeah, it's Kang. There he is. And I loved him. I thought he was great. A very cool, different iteration of Kang, but I loved what he brought to the role. All right, next up, Ismail Montoya writes, John, I'm still disappointed with many things that didn't happen. But like you said yesterday, they can all be answered later in season two, right? Yeah, listen, the ma- I was saying on yesterday's pregame show, you don't need to answer every question. You don't need to, to tie off every loose thread. There's just a couple of main things done. And to me, the main thing about Loki is Loki. That's the main thing. And what we saw in Loki, especially in that last conversation he had with Sylvie, was the fact that his character journey came to its conclusion. I mean, he didn't die, but I'm saying that that whole journey that started in episode one of self-actualization, self-realization, self-discovery being honest with himself and allowing himself to become the type of man that he actually really does want to be and not what he forces himself to be because of his insecurities and fears. That was a journey that we saw come to completion. When he's talking to her, he says, I don't want a throne. That's a total departure from the Loki. We started off episode one with seeing him in Avengers tower, getting arrested or being brought away by the Avengers. That's a, that's a total shift. That journey was complete, and that journey was the main point of the Loki series. And so they brought that to conclusion. They also gave us the answers of who is behind all of this. That was the big thing that they needed to answer, and they did. couple of floating questions. What was Sylvie's variance? Don't know yet. What's going to happen with Ravona? Don't know yet. When are we going to see Owen Wilson on that jet ski? Don't know yet, but... These are all things that didn't have to be answered in that episode, and they weren't. And it's a good thing they didn't because it was the second shortest episode of the series. I was guessing 61 minutes. Some people were guessing on the show yesterday, 105 minutes, 120 minutes. I'm like, guys, come on, it's not going to be that long. But I was guessing 61 minutes. Instead of being the longest episode of the series, it ended up being the second shortest. So it's a good thing they didn't try to cram in too many things there at the same time. All right, uh, next up. Um, where'd we go? We are at KG 
who writes, I think this version of Loki is now in the main MCU timeline, or will, right now he's outside of the timeline. He's at the TVA right now, uh, where the original Loki died and is now replacing the original Loki in the MCU. I, I agree. I think this this Loki that we now have is going to be our Loki moving forward. Um, so, and I thought he would survive. And I know a lot of people started thinking that maybe he was going to die in it. I, I believed he was going to live. And you're right, he's taking that place. But right now, he's technically not in our MCU timeline because he's technically still at the TVA. But I, I know what you mean, and I agree with you. All right, next up. Mark Blaza writes, I respect what they did, but it did not work for me. Fair enough. Uh, kind of lame for a season finale, in my opinion. Shouted, ew, when they kiss. I'm not going to lie. So did I. I. I find that whole Sylvie-Loki relationship gross. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I was kind of thinking, ew, myself. Um, and happy for Kang fans, though. No, it was great to see Kang. It really was. It was a wonderful introduction to Jonathan Majors. And uh, it was great to have him there. So I really liked that. And you know what, Mark? Hey, listen, it's, it's not going to work for everybody. It's certain Loki was certainly not a perfect series, certainly not a perfect season. It had some really weak episodes in my opinion, but for me overall, it quite worked for you. It didn't. That's totally fine, man. That's fair. All right. Next up. Iconic reactions writes, John, I don't know about you, but I love Jonathan as Kang. I did too. Jonathan Majors as Kang was great. Uh, his whole attitude towards life reminds me of a wise old guy who's just done with life. No, I love that aspect. First of all, I loved what they were doing. And by the way, congratulations to Jonathan Majors for getting nominated for Best Actor in a Series at the Emmys. Of course, he got that nomination for doing Lovecraft Country. Uh, super thrilled for him. Anyway, it starts off with this like almost borderline genius wacky conductor of the universe. And then you get and then when it comes time to just really where the rubber meets the road, he's like, look, I'm tired. It, I need somebody else to do this. And it's the two of you who are going to do it. I kind of love that kind of subtle transition because it was clearly the same guy. It's not like he suddenly changed personalities, but he went from one focus to another. And I, I thought that worked really well. I personally thought that worked really well. All right, next up. Lord Genome writes, uh, I was sure that they wouldn't introduce a new character in the last episode. So much for a formula. They really do keep us guessing with these shows. But here's the thing, Lord Genome. It was sticking to the formula. I kept trying to tell you guys, this is the same formula they applied with Agatha. Everything in Agatha kept everything in WandaVision, kept pointing to Agatha, kept pointing to Agatha, which made me think it was a misdirect like a dummy. I, I, so I didn't believe it was going to be Agatha until they finally announced it's Agatha all along. But yet it was the exact same situation. See, that's the exclusive reason why I really thought it was going to be Kang. Because I recognize this is the exact same pattern that we had in WandaVision with the Agatha reveal. They're doing the same thing here. So it's, I didn't, I, I, I missed the boat with Agatha. I ain't going to miss it again. And that's why I really did think it was pointing towards Kang. So it was kind of following the formula if you really look at it. All right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Iconic Reactions writes. Over under 35%, we get an episode of What If about if Sylvie never killed Kang. Uh, also, uh, under 35%, I don't think so. Also, I didn't mind the kiss. It just made her betraying Loki hit harder. That's true. That's true. Now, a lot of you guys were guessing that we were going to see Sylvie betray Loki. And I actually bought into that a little bit. Like, I'm like, I think Sylvie dies, whether it's at the hand of Kang or at the hand of Loki himself, because she's going to betray him. A lot of you guys started writing in, that you thought, and so while this wasn't really a straight up betrayal, 
Um, I mean, she didn't kill Loki. She booted him away to sa- to safety. But still, uh, a lot of you guys saw that coming. A lot of you guys saw that coming. I mean, she's her whole life has been about her desire to get at and kill the person she believes is responsible for her life of misery. And even when confronted with all this universal truth, it wasn't enough to make her overcome that rage that she's had her entire life. She's had that rage her entire life and she just couldn't overcome it. And it's, it was, I I thought that was a really interesting way they had that play out. All right, next up, uh, where are we at? The CTB channel writes, was Sylvie killing, was Sylvie killing the Kang variant, the plan all along? And where did Renslayer go? I'm so baffled by this episode. I'm not even sure if I liked it or not, but damn, but I damn sure I, but I damn sure am interested in season two. Yeah. I mean, clearly that was Sylvie's plan all along. Look, to be fair, that was Sylvie and Loki's plan the whole time. Sylvie and Loki's plan the whole time was to go there and kill whoever it was they found was the person behind the curtain. That was the plan. Now, Loki, upon hearing all the ramifications from Kang, decided, all right, well, we can't kill this guy. Whereas Sylvie could not overcome that. So now where did Ravona go? You're not supposed to know. That's that's part of, that's kind of the mystery. But I loved her last line when she said, I'm going to go. What, what was it? She said exactly. I'm going to go search for free will. Is that what she was saying? I love that last line. It really does leave it as a bit of a mystery. Now, I know there are some people who believed it was going to end up that she was going to be in league with the villain, and clearly that's not the case. But uh, I thought it was interesting that they left the Ravona part open-ended. It gives us somewhere to go in a season two. So, Or maybe her popping up in another. Maybe we'll see her in Ant-Man 3 as well. Who knows? But I kind of like that. All right, next up. Uh, that was CTB. Next up, we got Suthius writes, Dude. The moment Mobius said, you're an analyst, right? I turned uh, into Michael Scott. No, God, please, no, no, God, please, no. Kang is serious. I'll tell you what, when he said, you're an analyst, right? I didn't pick up on it. I thought he was kind of like paying Loki a compliment for the detective work he had done earlier in the season when he figured out the whole, the variant is hiding in apocalypse events. So I thought he was just kind of paying him a compliment. But man, once eyes once the audience member realized he doesn't know who Loki is. And then Loki turns around and looks and the statues of the timekeepers are now replaced with a statue of Kang. And that made more sense because remember, before Loki came in, Mobius and B-15 were start, starting there. They're talking about all these branches. And she said, remember this, she said, well, what does he want us to do about it? And I didn't think anything about that when she first, I thought, oh, maybe they're talking about Loki and they want to know what Loki wants to do. But I mean, I didn't know. But when she said now in hindsight, when she says, what does he want us to do? She's obviously talking about Kang. Time has now been, everything has been changed. Everything's been changed. And now Kang the Conqueror is there. And I just thought that was really, really cool. But I didn't pick up on it at first when he called him an Alana. So kudos to you for picking up on that right away. All right, next up. Suthius writes, love the visual of the timeline being what it seems to be uh, to an infinite loop. It mirrors real world theories about our own universe being an infinite loop. Yeah, I did love that visual style. And as that like basically time as a giant ring force of energy starts to branch off and all these things, you really 
it was a really great visual cue of the chaos that was now being caused. Because, yeah, it's great that we see the TVA dashboard with the little lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to actually see that, that ring of energy that is the timeline and then to see the branching, you could just feel the chaos that was happening. And far better than just Jonathan Majors explaining it, to visually see it was a great visual cue for that. And I thought that was a very well-used device there. I really did. All right, next up, Lord Genome writes, when the statue changed in the end, it reminded me of the monkey Abraham Lincoln monument. It totally did. It totally did. Uh, monument in Burton's Planet of the Apes. What a twist. That, I had that exact same thought. I had that exact same thought. But it's effective, right? Like, it's totally effective. Again, just like showing the branching timelines, having him turn and see that statue, that was a great example of show, don't tell in storytelling. Show, don't tell. And a lot of this series had to tell a lot because it's a limited frame of time. But when they could, they used visuals to communicate information. They used visuals to communicate the, the, the franticness, the panic, the chaos, the, the shock, whatever. And that was a really good job they did. All right, next up. We have Arc Fire writes in, Season 2, a nice surprise. Floodgates are open now, and if I was Loki, I wouldn't have the faintest idea what to do next. Has to do something, but what? I mean, that was one of the things. When that the whole thing hope, uh, happened, what Tom Hiddleston... We should talk about the performance of Tom Hiddleston there for a second. Because Tom Hiddleston, without saying a word, after he got kicked by Sylvie through the portal and now he's back at the TVA, Tom Hiddleston's performance just sitting there so beautifully communicated his feeling of helplessness. He just didn't know what to do. He didn't know if there was anything he could do. He just felt helpless. And Hiddleston's performance communicated that so perfectly. And so beautifully, it was just a well, well done moment. It was a really well done moment. All right, next up, we go Suthius who writes, uh, possible we get uh, Loki season two in 2022 before Ant-Man 3? Possible. I mean, I haven't read anything about any specifics. I don't think anything official has come out, so that's possible. Uh, Arcfire writes, one of two. I'm going to enjoy seeing a slow burn through different movies slash shows of all MCU characters slowly catching on to the threat of Kang. Uh, I got something to say about that, but let's get to two of two first. I love this episode, by the way. Loki knowing what he knows about Kang means he gets to stay a major player in the MCU for a while longer, I guess. Yeah, now listen. The whole point you just made is you're going to enjoy watching a slow burn through. I don't think this multiverse thing is going to be a slow burn. Um, I, For those of you who've watched me for a long period of time, I've been saying ever since shortly after they announced Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness. I've been saying, totally as fan speculation, I have no insider information. I've been saying that I believe that Doctor Strange 2, the Multiverse of Madness, is going to be the movie where they shut down the multiverse. I've been saying that for over a year. That the main story of Doctor Strange 2 is that the multiverse, and this is long before Loki ever came out, but is that the multiverse is getting out of hand. It's threatening the very existence of reality. And ultimately now Doctor Strange has got to shut it down. And I now after watching Loki, I believe that now more than ever. I believe that now more than ever. 
even the comic books themselves, both Marvel and DC, at some point in their histories, at several points in their histories, just said, hey, we have to come up with a big event that just shuts down all the 5,000 Earths and all the multiple dimensions and all that kind of stuff and bring everything into a coherent story. The comics themselves have done that, and I believe Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be that. I could be way wrong about that. I'm just speculating. But after watching Loki, I believe that even more. So I don't believe it's going to be that slow of a burn. I don't believe it's going to be that slow of a burn. All right, next up. Uh, Let's see. JSW11984 writes, Wow, did not see that coming. Love the finale. Quite a few sad moments in it. I guess Feige was right when he said that this would fully change the entire MCU. Oh yeah, season two. I guess it will drop after Ant-Man 3. Again, I'm not sure if it'll come after Ant-Man 3 or before. I mean, logic would kind of dictate that it would come after, but it's totally possible it could come before. We'll have to wait and see. And yeah, Feige was right this time. Listen, before every Marvel movie or series, Feige says, oh, this is going to change everything. Remember what he said about Black Widow? Oh, yeah, Black Widow, the Black Widow movie is going to totally change the way we see Natasha and her role in Infinity War and Endgame. And it's like, ooh. And then we watch Black Widow. And I like Black Widow. I do. But it's like, this doesn't change shit, Kevin. This doesn't change anything about the way I see Natasha or her role in Infinity War. This doesn't change nothing. So that's happened a lot. But with Loki, he was totally right. He was totally right. Okay, next up. Suthius writes, I wish there was a bit more with Mobius and the TVA. Yeah, but they weren't the central part of the story. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice, but it wasn't necessary. They really needed to... For what time they had, what time they chose to have, that's where the story needed to be told. Was in that room with Kang... Loki and Sylvie. That's where the story needed to be told. That's where the attention needed to be. And we'll get more Mobius and the TVA later on. All right, next up. Uh, my buddy Kevin Rubio writes, what the actual fuck China it was? It was a little bit crazy, wasn't it? It was a little bit crazy. Uh, next up, Tim Platt writes, so wait, are there multiple Mobiuses or did Loki just get wiped from existence? Uh, maybe Kang just mind wiped all the workers at the TVA. This is madness. Madness, I say. Is it or is it the exact same thing as, say, Back to the Future? Right? Because once, you know, Michael J. Fox comes back to his future, everybody else's mind, people's minds weren't wiped. It's just that time had been changed. Their reality had been changed. And in that reality now, Mobius had never met Loki. Now, look, whenever I say this all the time, but whenever you get into stories, movies or TV shows that involve time at all, there are always logic holes. Always. Even the best of them. Back, there are videos on YouTube that chronicle like all the logic problems with Back to the Future or Star Trek uh, Voyage Home, which is like one of my favorite Star Trek movies, maybe my absolute favorite Star Trek movie. Um, but they all have problems and logic holes. And so there will be those here. But again, think of it in those terms. Think, think of what happened in Loki's finale at the end of that episode, kind of like a Back to the Future event. It's just that reality had been changed for all those people. How it's going to affect everything and in what way the consequence is going to pay out, play out, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But uh, it is a, as Kevin Rubio said, a what the actual fuck kind of situation. All right, next up. Uh, A-Rod 2006 writes, So essentially, Thanos is a kitten compared to Kang the Conqueror. Yes. Uh, the Avengers are going to get wrecked. I mean, listen, this is... A lot of people were asking a very great question after Endgame. How do you increase the threat after the Mad Titan? 
How do you possibly raise the stakes after the most powerful being in the universe with an infinity gauntlet wiping out half life in the galaxy? Well, there were a few options. I mean, some people thought maybe this will just make them rush bringing in uh, Galactus, maybe, uh, Doctor Doom, and Kang. Kang, the way they're setting up can absolutely be that increased threat level from, from Thanos. And there weren't a lot of options available to them to do that, but that's definitely one of them. All right, next up, uh, we go to uh, JSW11984, who writes, Did the finale move Loki out of third place, John? No, it's still, it kept it in third place, but it was a solid ending to me. I, uh, overall, I enjoyed this uh, series a lot. Couple of weak episodes. Overall, I had a lot of fun with it, but it is still in third place for me. WandaVision is still by far my favorite. Falcon Winter Soldier second, Loki third. So uh, let's see how that uh, holds up. Cam K writes, I really think now that Wanda being a Nexus being means she's the key to all of this. Maybe she is the only one who can erase Nexus events. Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know. I really don't. Because it's a little inconsistent calling her a nexus being. But if she's a nexus being, should the TVA have not been alerted to her right away and immediately pulled her out of the timeline? I mean, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. There are still a number of question marks I have regarding WandaVision. And that whole nexus being thing is one of them. And how does that tie into all of this? And I just simply don't know. I mean, that is definitely a possibility, Cam. Cam, that is definitely a possibility. But right now, I, I just don't know. So we're going to have to wait and see. All right, next up. Suthius writes, Presuming the next five to ten years will, uh, will, all, will be all about multiverse and Kang, I don't think so. Uh, do we think the general audience will be ready for such wonkiness? It'll be interesting. I also don't think so. I, again, I don't think the next five to ten years are going to be about Kang and multiple dimensions and time travel and all that kind of stuff. I really don't. I think this stuff has a very short shelf life. Um, it's going to be thrilling and exciting for a while. But again, I don't expect Kang to be around all that long. I think I think he gets ended, or at least he may not necessarily be ended, but I think this particular storyline with all this kind of stuff, I think this comes to a conclusion in Doctor Strange 2, which is why I think Kevin Feige always said, hey, this is a three-film arc. Um, you know, uh, WandaVision, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange 2. But it always ended at Doctor Strange 2. And I think there's a reason for that. I think this storyline ends there. Now, maybe Kang goes beyond that. Maybe Kang himself as a character goes beyond that and remains a threat in the universe. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, next up, we got Edge of Reason writes, did you notice that Major's costume when first introduced was Immortus's while the statue at the end was uh, donning the classic Kang garbs. There were similarities uh, from both counts, absolutely similarities on both counts. Of course, really, when you go into it, it's all the same thing anyway. Um, but yeah, but you know what was interesting? Here's the interesting thing. How many of you guys noticed this? With Loki, the variants of Loki, yes, there were other variants that looked just like Tom Hiddleston, but you had the Sylvie Loki, you had the Crocodile Loki, you had the Richard E. Grant Loki, although maybe that was still supposed to be Tom Hiddleston just as an old man, maybe. But then there was the big guy with the hammer Loki. They all look different. When Kang was explaining the situation to Loki and Sylvie, did you guys notice that all the Kang variants looked exactly alike? Did you notice that? 
when he was bringing up the little images of them, they all looked 100% exactly alike. He even made a joke about it. We pay each other compliments. Nice nose, right? And I thought that was interesting, that none of the variants had any change in appearance. They all looked exactly the same as him. So I thought that was kind of interesting. What does that actually mean? I don't know. I don't know what actual meaning that has, but I just thought uh, a lot of meaning or not, I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was very interesting. All right, next up, Cam K writes, I think when Wanda was prophesied to bring the end of the world slash worlds, I think they may be talking about the end of the other universes slash timelines. Possibility. Again, let's look to Doctor Strange 2. We know Wanda is going to be playing an important role in Doctor Strange 2. If that prophecy about her is to end the timelines and end the universes, that plays right into my theory that Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness, and listen to that title, Multiverse of Madness. And what Kang was saying, that the multiverse being there is a threat to all of reality becoming undone. I believe that points again to we're going to have this particular storyline brought to an end in Doctor Strange 2. Again, don't take that to the bank. That's just me theorizing. I could be wrong about that. Absolutely. But uh, I I personally think all signs are pointing that way. We'll see. Good observation, Cam. Casey McNatt writes, John. In the end, you were right. All the clues were pointing uh, to Kang. However, well, it's not, let's not pretend I was the only guy guessing. There was a lot of people predicting it was Kang. Um, all the clues were pointing to Kang. However, it wasn't the real Kang. Sylvie uh, just released him on the whole multiverse, and now everyone's in trouble. Oh, he was the real Kang, yes. Like, don't don't try to, to, to fudge with the facts. That was Kang. And yes, there are other ver- versions. There are other variants of Kang. But even this Kang said, I have been called many names. Conqueror? Of course, he's Kang the Conqueror. This was every bit Kang. This was not pseudo-Kang. This was not sort of a Kang. This was Kang. And there are going to be others. There's going to be many others. But if you understand the comics, you knew there were going to be many Kangs anyway. But this is 100%. The Jonathan Majors we saw last night is 100% Kang. Just as the next Jonathan Majors Kang we see is going to be 100% Kang. So, yeah, there's that. All right, next up. Uh, Alpha writes, so it was Kang, not just the Conqueror. Yeah, absolutely, it was Kang. But that was, of course, a little wink of the eye saying, I've been called Conqueror. Of course he said that, because he's Kang. All right, next up. Marie Seifring writes, Felt sorry for Loki because Mobius doesn't remember him. Yeah, that must have been hard. Maybe a different timeline, Mobius. Loki is alone again. Again, I don't think it's a different timeline, Mobius. I just think reality changed. When when the, we saw the timeline going into absolute chaos, I just think reality changed. And when Loki got there, he's just coming to that realization, adding to that already big sense of hopelessness he had just when he came through the portal in the first place. And already feeling hopeless, he goes to talk to Mobius and then realizes Mobius doesn't even recognize him, sees the statue. It was a brilliantly done scene. It was a really, really good, well-done scene. All right, Suthius writes, with Renslayer gone, well, is she gone? She just stepped through a door. I don't know that she's gone. With Renslayer gone, who's in charge now? Uh, could we, Loki, somehow rise up the ranks and do what he initially said he was going to do, take over the TVA? No, I think it was very clear what the situation was at the end there. Mobius and B-15 were now running the TVA. Which is kind of what I predicted in episode one would ultimately happen, but I didn't predict it would happen that way, so we'll we'll... We'll check that one off as a, that, that I was wrong on that one. But 
I, I thought it made it pretty clear. It was Mobius and B-15 were there, the ones that were there were, that were kind of coordinating everything at that point. So I don't think Loki has any desire to take over the TVA. I mean, maybe at some point they just say he naturally becomes that and they want to elevate him, but we'll see. But for now, it looks very clear that B-15 and uh, B-15 and, uh, and Mobius are the ones in charge now, I think. All right, next up, Marie writes, I can see Loki in season two being a bit like Cassandra at Troy. Uh, he knows the truth and tries to warn others, but because of his past, no one believes him. A little bit like a, a boy who cried wolf situation. A little bit of a boy who cried wolf. I think you're right about that. I could totally see that playing in, but again, we're going to have other things that happen between now and whenever season two comes out. So I, I don't think season two is where everything's just going to pick up. I think some events are going to be resolved in other MCU properties. And then when we get to season two of Loki, some things will remain, some things will be different, but we'll have to see. But that's a good observation, Marie. All right, next up, Casey McNatt writes, poor Loki all along again, lost his girl. And now he lost his bro because Mobius doesn't remember him. Yeah. He comes to this realization. I don't want a throne. I just want to save reality. He gets rejected by Sylvie, kicks him through a door. Then his only other friend in the world no longer recognizes him. It's been a bad, we'll just say it's been a bad day for Loki. It's been a bad day for Loki. Marie Seifring writes, Loki becomes a more prominent character in the MCU going forward as foe of Kang. Sylvie becomes Enchantress. Um, I, I, I hope you're right about the first part. Now you guys know, Steve Rogers is my favorite character in the MCU. My second favorite character is, is probably Loki. I would love to see him take on a more prominent role in the MCU. I, I don't know that he is, but I hope you're right about that. Sylvie becoming Enchantress, I don't see any evidence to believe that, but it would kind of fit. It would kind of fit, so I'd, I'd be down for that. I'd totally be down for that. Uh, all right, next up. Uh, where are we at? We are at... Casey McNatt, who writes, how long do you think it will be before we get Loki season two? Do you think we will get it before or after Ant-Man three? Again, I don't know. I, I honestly, I won't be surprised either way. Once they actually give us that answer about will it come out before Ant-Man three, will it come out after Ant-Man three? I won't be surprised either way. Um, I mean, I, if I had to bet a dollar on it right now, I would guess after Ant-Man three, now that I'm thinking about it, but Again, I won't be surprised at all if we find out it's before. All right, Velocity writes, uh, Marvel just isn't great at mysteries, are they? I think they are great at mysteries. If you're talking about Kang, remember, even everybody who did know about Kang, they all thought it was going to be a Loki variant. But on top of that, you have to remember this. You are making the same mistake, Velocity, that I made in WandaVision. I thought they were making it too obvious that it was going to be Agatha. But what I failed to realize was that 95% of the people watching WandaVision have never heard of Agatha Harkness. Never heard of her. Yeah, there were those 5% of us that knew about Agatha Harkness from the comics. We could recognize the brooch and understand the significance of her wearing a witch costume and all that kind of stuff. But what I failed to remember was that when WandaVision was on, was that nobody knows anything about Agatha Harkness. 95% of people watching the show had never heard of Agatha Harkness. So when the Agatha reveal came, for 95% of the people watching that show, it was a total shock and surprise. Same thing with Kang. Most people watching Loki have never heard of Kang. 
And so for some of us, yes, we were predicting Kang. But I think for a lot of people watching, it was a total out of left field thing that they never saw coming. But eh, we'll see where they go with it. All right. Uh, next up, Marie Seifring writes, Robert Meyer Burnett said that there would be too much to explain to bring Kang fully on board. But like the other episodes, heavy on exposition. I liked it. Definitely different vibe from WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it took risks. I agree with all that. Now, I, I disagreed with Rob when he said, you can't bring in that character now. I reminded Rob, I said, listen, when did they reveal who the man behind the curtain was in Wizard of Oz? In like the last five minutes of the movie. You didn't see the man behind the curtain until like the last five minutes of the movie. Totally fine. Totally fine. It, it, was, it was not a terribly difficult thing to do. Uh, and you're right. The neat thing about these Marvel shows is that they have all been very different from each other. And I like that. And Loki did take a lot of risks. I mean, just doing all this time travel multiverse stuff is risky. And to be honest with you, they I think they lost some people. I, I talked to a couple people last night who were like, yeah, I don't even know what's going on anymore. And they're, Marvel is risking losing folks like that. But when you take risks, sometimes that's going to happen. But I never want them to not take risks. I never want them to not take risks. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't, but keep taking risks. And I like that they did that. All right, next up, we got reviews by William who writes, after that finale, every fan theory has a, has a possibility, LOL. We should all just expect the unexpected and enjoy this next MCU phase. Expect the unexpected is right. However, audiences do not generally like absolute chaos. Audiences just do not like absolute chaos. Audiences like to be able to have some things figured out, even if there are some other things that they don't. And that's part of my little little fear, little fear, little, little nervousness that Marvel may go too far in all the bonkers wackiness because I think they're going to alienate a lot of people if they do. Not anybody who watches this show. Like any, if you guys are watching the John Campy show, you're already pretty much tied into the inside of this stuff and you're probably really appreciating this stuff. But you and I represent like 5% of the audience that Marvel wants to have. And I just hope they don't go too bonkers. I just hope they don't go too bonkers, but we'll see. All right, next up. Uh, Gaurav Aurora writes, when Wanda heard her kids at the end of WandaVision, it was probably during the time the multiverse broke. Thoughts? Again, I don't believe she heard her kids. I believe that was a memory. Because if you go back to WandaVision and play back that scene when she's in the cabin and she hears her kid's voice, that was simply the same audio cut from earlier in the episode when her kids were calling out to her from the street. It's the exact same audio. All it was was they copied the audio from that and played it back. So it was really more of a memory or anything else. So I don't believe she actually heard her kids calling out because it's been verified. It's the exact same audio. So I, I, I don't know what's going on. I think she's trying to find a way to bring those kids into reality. But there's again, we talked about this in the finale uh, spoiler discussion of WandaVision. I mean, that there's a lot of different things it could mean. There's a lot of different things it could mean, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. All right, next up, uh, Dragon Ten writes, slightly prefer Wandavision because it was more consistent, but a solid series overall. Music music was fantastic. Dragon Ten, I absolutely agree. Music was fantastic in this episode. Love these spoiler talks, John. I love doing the spoiler talks. It's great. It gets me more invested in the show. Uh, doing the pregame shows and the spoiler discussion gets me as a fan more engaged in the show, and I like that a lot. But yeah, I. I would say I significantly 
preferred WandaVision over Loki, um, even though I did enjoy Loki quite a bit. But um, yeah, good, solid series overall. A lot of repercussions are going to happen in the MCU as a whole. And I hope to see Loki brought to a bigger place of prominence within the MCU. But we'll see where they go. All right, next up, we've got Ryan Hewitt who writes, This finale has me so hyped for what's next in the MCU. I didn't think the stakes could get higher after Endgame. Yeah, because Endgame, the stakes were half of all life in the universe. The stakes are now the end of all reality. The end of all reality. That's what's at stake now. The question is, where does the MCU go after that? When you, when you come to a point where what is at stake is the end of all reality of everything everywhere, what's next? The Donahue gang holding up banks in central Chicago? Is that the next big bad guy? I don't know, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate this over the next couple of years. All right, next up, uh, B.W. Rosa writes, John. Sylvia just screwed the MCU and turned it into the MCMU with her killing of Kang, but not the Kang. Again, it's a false distinction. Each one of the Kangs are the Kang. Anyway, so I believe things are about to get nuts soon. Oh, they're absolutely about to get nuts. Sylvie didn't buy what Jonathan Majors was selling. And she was so consumed with her lifelong rage and anger and thirst for revenge that she couldn't pass it up when the opportunity was there to take it. And she ignored the warnings. She ignored the warnings. And so, yeah, she really did condemn. I mean, she's not the villain here, but it was her mistake that is going to plunge the MCU into the chaos it's about to go into. So we'll see how that all resolves itself. All right, next up, Steve Cunnan writes, although I thought that Kang wouldn't be the new Thanos, still don't, he kind of has to be in multiple movies now, right? Lots of consequences after tonight. Over under 60% of Spider-Man trailer drops this week. I will go under 60 that it drops this week. Under 60 that it drops this week. But not a lot under 60. I will go over 60 that within the next two weeks. Right now, I'd set the over under at about 35 to 40% this week. So it's a solid chance it could drop this week. But once we get into the following week, I'm going to guess even higher. Like, yeah, I think it's coming soon. I think it's coming soon. All right, next up. We've got B.W. Rosa writes. I think we know, can see, you probably meant now. I think we now can see where this all connects towards Doctor Strange 2. Uh, I and later on with Ant-Man and Wasp 3. Because season two of Loki will tie into that. Maybe yes, maybe no. We, we have no idea what season two of Loki is going to be. I don't expect season two of Loki just to pick up right where season one left off. So it could be, we could be in a totally different situation. By the time Loki season two starts, it could be a whole new story. By the time Loki season two comes, it's possible that the whole Kang situation has been resolved and now there's a new challenge and a new threat and a new whatever. And it could be about a totally new thing. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying you got to understand that is one of the possibilities right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how Kevin Feige's got this roadmap laid out as we move forward. All right, next up. Uh, Hansa Sindler writes, so 
Apart from the fact that someone else was in charge, did anything about the TVA's mission or purpose changed from what they from what we learned in episode one? Was the charade with the timekeepers really necessary? You know, this is this is an interesting thing I was thinking about too as well, Hansa, because at the end of the day, why did Kang I mean listen, the mission of the TVA was was as it is being described by Kang. Protect the timeline, protect the flow of time, protect the sacred timeline, stop Nexus events, because that could lead to a multi-universal war. The purpose was the exact same. It's not like the TVA secret agenda was to do something else entirely. That was what they were there for. So I'm a little baffled right now as to what was the purpose of Kang creating i i know he talked about it a little bit in the episode but i i got to admit i'm still a little baffled on what was the entire purpose of kang setting up these three fake timekeepers why didn't you just say i'm kang hello nice to meet you everybody i'll i'll be your michael scott i'll be in uh, my my office over here with my world's greatest boss mug and uh, go sell some paper i mean go keep the timeline safe Yeah, I I really don't understand why he couldn't just do that. So what was the point of all that secrecy? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there'll be a bigger purpose to it that we'll find out a little bit later on. Maybe Kang couldn't risk other variations of himself knowing of his existence. I don't know. Now I'm just kind of blindly theorizing. But Hansa, your thought on that was an exact same thought that I had as well. All right, next up, Ryan Lohner writes, Anyone not already familiar with Kang from the comics spent the whole episode saying, so it's just some random guy whose name we don't even find out. Um, but listen, I, I, I don't agree with that. Whenever you meet a villain, you're meeting them for the first time. Whenever you meet a villain, you're meeting them for the first time. And so in this, we knew there was a, someone larger that we had not met yet behind the scenes that was hiding away at this void palace was going to be our villain. And they went and they met the wizard. And then the wizard sat down with them, explained everything that the audience needed to know, and then brought the episode to its conclusion with Sylvie making the choice that she made, leaving us where we got left off. So, listen, whenever a new villain is introduced, whenever a new character is introduced in the MCU, the audience has never seen them before. And so you explain who they are and their relevance, and then you move on. And I think that totally worked. I, I mean, I again, I didn't think it was a perfect finale. I didn't. Nor do I think it was a perfect season of television. I don't. But I thought that part worked perfectly fine. I, I really do. Anyway, but that's just me. All right, next up. Uh, Tacky75 writes, I didn't like this version of Kang with Majors acting like a bro from the hood. I hope next time he is more menacing and grandiose. Well, remember, all the variants are going to have slightly different personalities. I loved, I'm not going to lie to you, Tacky. I loved this character we met. Infinitely confident and self-assured, like laughing at them when they were thought they were going to try to kill him, right? And all that kind of stuff. But then when things needed to get serious, it got serious. There was no need for Kang to be I am Kang, and you shall lick my boots and my nipples. Like, there there was no need for that. He was the guy in charge of time and reality. He was supremely confident. He, he could laugh about it, and he was kind of hoping that as they crossed that threshold, 
as they crossed the threshold, that he would now have a way to get out of that part of his existence, right? And I personally loved the performance of it. I did. I I purpose. I personally really, really loved uh, that they did that. And by the way, from now on in every MCU thing, if, if the MCU wants to make sure the audience knows their bad guy's real bad, he's going to tell the people to lick his nipples. That's how you know somebody's bad. It used to be you showed them kicking a puppy, but not anymore. Not anymore. All right, next up. Um... Where at? Tacky writes, I can now say that the best Marvel series is WandaVision and best episode is previously on episode eight. Loki was just too uneven for me. Um, I agree that WandaVision is the best series they've done. I, I mean, it's, but I mean, there's a reason why it just got nominated. I think what, how many nominations did you get? 23? I think WandaVision just got like 23 nominations at the Emmys. There's a reason for that. So, yes, I do believe it is the best one that they've had. Was Loki a little bit uneven? Yeah, I would say yes. I would say yes. I think it was a, a little bit uneven. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I still think overall the product was very good and I enjoyed it, but uneven? Absolutely. Absolutely was a bit uneven. All right, uh, next up. We've got, um, where are we at here? Uh, Late Paul writes, one of two. Hey, John, really enjoyed the finale. Jonathan Majors was amazing as he who remains. However, was a bit disappointed that we got a cliffhanger. Unlike WandaVision, which ended with a setup for the future, but still told a complete story. Upside as we get a season two thoughts. Yes, but remember, late Paul, that that's the entire nature of a limited series. WandaVision was meant to be a miniseries. It's a one-shot limited series. So in a one-shot limited series you have to answer far more of the questions. You have to answer far more of the questions. In something like Loki, which was never set up as a limited series, there are more questions. But look, the, the important thing is that the important elements got finished. Who was the one behind the curtain? And the main part of Loki is Loki's character development journey. And... That character development journey started in episode one and came to its nexus, if you will, in this final episode when he finally, I think, says to himself and believes it, I don't want a throne. I don't need a throne. I just want to save reality. I just don't want anything to happen to you. That is the completion of that journey. And that was the main thing this finale had to do. I mean, we can all get caught up in the in the shiny things like, is it Kang? Is it a Loki variant? And are we going to see Mobius on a jet ski? We can all get caught up in those things, yes. But really, ultimately, the main thing this show had to do, and this finale had to do, was show that character journey that started in episode one get brought to its, at least temporarily, completion. And they did. And they introduced Kang and they did all that kind of stuff. And then there were some remaining dangling threads. And for a regular series, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. Whereas WandaVision was not a series. WandaVision was a limited series that was always meant to be a one-shot story. And so they do have to wrap up a few extra things there. They do. All right, next up. Uh, Nicholas Class writes, I'm not familiar with Kang at all, but... Jonathan Majors absolutely killed it, and and I honestly can't wait to see more of him. I really loved how they established him as the definition of an Avengers-level threat. Absolutely. 
They did. And I think that's great, too, that somebody like yourself who isn't familiar with Kang the Conqueror, you're able to see him and go, this character is amazing. I loved what Jonathan Majors did with this character. I really did. And it's going to be really fascinating to see what changes Jonathan Majors makes to this character once we meet a different variant of him. Once we meet another variant of Kang and probably several other variants of Kang's, how he's going to bring a little bit of a unique personality to each single one of them. I think it's going to be very interesting to see, but I love the way he did it last night. Uh, I mean, that to me was one of the best parts of the episode was just his portrayal of the character. So I, I really loved it, but that's just me. All right. Next up. Um, Ant Banks, 1984 writes. So is the MCU's version of Kang more powerful than Thanos? Apparently, considering that it seems like he's the architect of this craziness within the timelines. I, I mean, it seems, look, you're going to have to actually sit down and ask Kevin Feige, which if I ever get the chance to do that again, maybe I will. But we'll have to ask Kevin Feige. Okay, really, who's who's more powerful, like Thanos or Kang? It, if you're talking about escalating threat levels and a guy who's just actually literally at the helm controlling the destiny of all of reality, it seems like Kang. It seems like, who wins in an arm wrestling match? Well, probably Thanos. But overall, I think that I think it looks like they're setting it up that Kang is the bigger threat. All right, next up. Uh, late Paul writes, this feels more like a mid-season climax than a finale. Theory. They planned a longer run and retooled as two seasons because of COVID. No, I see, I would buy that. I would buy that theory if Falcon the Winter Soldier was 16 episodes long. And if WandaVision was 16 episodes long. If that was the case, I could buy that theory. But the reality is they only planned them to be. I remember they announced long in advance that like the uh that Falcon the Winter Soldier was going to be 6 episodes and so this seems to be the length that they're going. WandaVision, we, I didn't realize we got such a treat because they gave us nine episodes. It was nine, right? I think it was nine. We got nine episodes of WandaVision, but it seems like six is going to be the way moving forward. Six, seven, eight. That's what it seems like. So no, it looks like it always was the plan that it was going to be three. All right, next up. Um, Delusional Patriots fan writes, before the Kang reveal, when that door opened and Ms. Minutes had the evil glare, I yelled, oh no, Geo has to eat a clock. Man, I'll tell you what. So it turns out, yeah, Ms. Minutes was not the big bad guy. Uh, she was, she was as she has always been, she's worked for the TVA, and that means the guy running the TVA. But I still remember, you guys remember, I said this on one of my shows. I said, look, um, I think it was around episode three or four, it was probably after episode four because I said, look, I, some people are asking if we're going to see Miss Minutes back again. I said, look, take this for what it's worth. But I have somebody, a source who granted, and I said this, I said, he is not the most reliable source. Again, my apologies, because I know he's watching this show. I said he's not the most reliable source, but uh, told me that Miss Minutes was only going to be in episodes one and two. I said, I didn't know whether to believe that. But now that we haven't seen her in episodes three or episodes four, it's kind of looking like maybe he was right. Well, then, of course, Ms. Minutes showed up in episode five. And then again last night in episode six. So she didn't end up being the big bad guy, as some people thought. Or else I'd be eating a clock. But, uh, but yeah, it's I, I'm personally very glad that we got to see her pop back up in uh, five and six. Because I do like the character. And I hope we get to see more of it moving forward. All right, next up. Uh, we've got... Uh, CJ legend 
And CJ Legend writes, so the TVA can't be destroyed. All that hard work and Loki still can't win. I wonder if in season two, Sylvie's Nexus event will be explained. And you know what? Here, I'm going to say something here. And I'm going to guess, I think they should circle back around and explain Sylvie's Nexus event at some point. Didn't have to happen last night, so I'm fine that they didn't address it last night. It wasn't a need-to-happen thing. But eventually, it'd be nice if they did. I'm not so sure the TVA is going to be brought down. I'm not so sure at the end of the day, when all the dust settles, if the TVA doesn't still exist and is an important part on maintaining the health and the stability of the timeline. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at all. Because even Mobius, when he was saying to Ravonna, I was like, look, let's you and I run this thing. Let's let's run it the right way and all that kind of stuff. I think that was kind of an indication that the TVA has a place. I don't think they're going to be trying to bring the TVA down now. But I, I mean, I don't know that. No inside information. I could be way off on that. But but let's see where they go with that. Thanks for that, CJ. Uh, next up, Kevin writes, Cool ending, but to me, the exposition dump crammed into a final episode did not sit well. The stakes have been set, but in an underwhelming way. I mean, yeah, listen, I I said before, and I will say again, I definitely felt that the introduction should have at least happened in the second to last episode. To leave a lot more breathing room in the last episode to do the exposition you want, but with more time, there could have been more things that they could have showed, not told, you know, show, don't tell. They didn't have enough time to do show, don't tell for most of it. It had to just be, let's sit down at a desk and I'm going to tell you everything. And there had to be some elements of that. Absolutely. But I feel like if they had introduced us to the Kang character in the second to last episode, like they at least introduced us to Agatha in the second to last episode of WandaVision, that would have given us, it would have given them a lot more breathing room in the final episode. So I, I think there was a strategic error there. I think there was a strategy error there. I, I really still think they should have at least introduced us to Kang in the second to last episode. But then again, uh, there we go. So we'll see where that goes. All right. Uh, next up, and this will be the last question that we take before we take a little bit of a break. Uh, because guys, you know, about, about once an hour, I'm going to take a short five, six, seven minute break just to rest the throat, refill my drink, stretch my legs, that sort of thing. So let's move on now to James Hoffman who writes. So we met a variant of Kang here and presumably we'll meet another variant of Kang in Ant-Man three who will be the main Kang of the MCU. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have a main Kang or several problematic Kangs. And then will we have other Kangs who, like this Kang, kind of stands opposed to them? I mean, I just don't know. My guess is, and it's only a guess, James, is that, yeah, we will probably now get another Kang who will be a central Kang. This next Kang we get will be our central Kang. Uh, Still Kang. But a central Kang. But I also believe we're going to have multiple Kangs. Probably one that we mainly follow, but then I think there's going to be multiple others. I think the, uh, I think the finale kind of definitely hinted at that. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, listen, guys. We will pick back up here with uh, Late Paul once we come back. But for now, we're at the top of the hour, so we're going to take a few minutes of a break here. Guys, give yourselves a chance to talk amongst yourselves. Go stretch your legs. Grab a bite to eat. Get a drink. Want to use the bathroom. Do whatever it is you got to do. But hang tight, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. 
Okay, guys, and we are back. Thank you so much for your patience and indulgence as I took a little bit of a break there. For now, let's get right back to your comments and questions about Loki. Episode 6, the finale. Let's keep rolling here. The next one up is Late Paul, who writes one of two. Hey, John, where do you think Ravona went? My theory is she went back to, uh, in the TVA's own timeline to reset it. I don't think so. She specifically said, I'm searching for... I th she, she just kind of implies she's looking for something, right? It didn't say... It didn't seem like she had a specific mission. It seems like she was looking for something. So I where she went, no idea. No idea where she went, but um, I think it was more she was on a quest for answers. That's what it seemed to me. Where she was going for that quest has something to do with the documents that Ms. Minutes gave her near the end, but we have no concrete evidence about what that was one way or the other. Um, that's how we get the new statue and why Mobius and B-15 don't remember. No, again, I don't think so. That didn't seem to be what it was she was trying to do. This all seems like it's a direct result of what happened with Sylvie stabbing Kang more than it had anything to do with Ravona doing anything. All right, next up, Late Paul also writes, so whilst I was a bit disappointed not having a real ending, at least my favorite Sylvie, Mobius, and Alligator Loki get to live another day. I don't know if we'll ever see Alligator Loki again. I don't know if we'll ever get to see Alligator Loki again. Uh, maybe we'll maybe like. I, am I the only person that was not like completely enamored with Alligator Loki? I thought Alligator Loki was cute, but I'm like reading all these things online. Like people are flipping their lids for Alligator Loki or Crocodile Loki, whatever they said it was. But I don't know. I thought it was cute, but I I instantly forgot about. It. But a lot of people seem really in love with it. All right, next up. Late Paul also writes, a very talky finale, true. I enjoyed it, but I imagine a lot of fans are disappointed at not much action. A couple of brief fight scenes. Well, maybe, but think about WandaVision. WandaVision didn't have an action sequence until the finale. There wasn't a single action sequence until the finale. And that's the best show they've done. You don't. It doesn't have to have action. There doesn't need to be action for it to be a compelling, fantastic, wonderful, engaging story. That gets us wrapped up. So, yeah, if I, look, there are some people that come to any comic book property and they're just looking for the explosions. They're looking for the boom, bang, explosions. Yeah, there are some people like that. Sure. And that's fine. If that's what you look for in your entertainment, nothing wrong with that. But uh, I thought there was a lot of good stuff. Talking can be great. One of the greatest films of the past 20 years, The King's Speech, is all a talky movie. Is two guys talking, but it's brilliant, and I love it. And, a, and, you know, WandaVision was just a lot of talking, but I think it's the best show they've got so far. Anyway, uh, next up, uh, Yo Pierre writes, Great setup for Phase 4, disappointing finale for the series that led us on with many unanswered questions. Felt more like a season finale, part one of two. I disagree with that. I wish it tied up some loose ends. Your thoughts? I, I disagree. I think... Listen, the main point of this show was Loki and his character development. That's the whole main point of this show. That's why it's called Loki. And they did it. And I thought they brought that to a very satisfying conclusion and a very satisfying ending with him making that pronouncement. I don't need a throne. And our first sign of true selflessness from him and I just want to protect you. I mean, we saw selflessness from the other Loki that died in Endgame trying to save his brother, but... You know, in this journey, that was the most important thing, and they brought that to conclusion. And they introduced us to who was the person behind the curtain. That was very key. And again, this is just the end of season one. They don't have to tie up every little thing at the end. Not all of it has to be in a nice little tidy package bow at the finale. 
I mean, I think more would have needed to be answered if this was supposed to be a self-contained one-shot story. It would have needed a few more answers. But as it was, I thought it was perfectly fine. As long as you do the main things. And to me, they did the main things. So I kind of really liked it that way. I mean, not perfect. I had some issues with it. But overall, I thought it worked. All right, next up. Um, Han Solo writes, My two cents. This Kang has been puning mutants. No, this has nothing to do with the mutants. Uh, this Kang has been pruning mutants, especially reality-altering ones. The Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom from his sacred timeline. I don't think so. Listen, this Loki series was in the planning stages before Kevin Feige ever knew that Disney was acquiring Fox. It's just that simple. And I, I don't want to know why people keep failing to, to grasp that. Um... Kevin, this show was already in its blueprints before Kevin Feige ever knew that Disney was taking over Fox. So, no, I I don't believe this has anything to do with mutants. I really don't. I mean, listen, anything is possible. Kevin Feige is a human being. He can change his mind. But I don't know why every single time an MCU thing in the last three years has come up, everybody goes, mutants are coming. And, And obviously they never do. And I don't think there's any, so I don't think this has anything to do with mutants. I really don't. All right, next up. Uh, Tyler Yeats writes, really loved this episode. That ending with the statue was creepy. That it was a creepy ending. But when I saw Jonathan Major show up, I was kind of blown away. Season two? Yeah, I mean, obviously there is a season two. They said it right in the post credit scene. By the way, can I say that I'm, I was very disappointed there wasn't a post, like not a real post credit scene. Like the pattern of the MCU has been that they start showing post-credit scenes about halfway or a little more than halfway through the season, and then they have a post-credit scene every episode. And they didn't do that with Loki. Now, they don't have to do it. That's fine. But it's just that when you're sitting there through the credits, because they have like six minutes of credits, as you're sitting there through the credits going, okay, any minute now, whoo, any minute, we're going to get the post-credit scene. Here it comes. Okay, only uh, only a minute left in the credits. Okay, better happen. I guess it's going to be a short post-credit scene. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. And then it ends and the screen goes black. And ah, damn it. Damn it. So yeah, I was a little disappointed that there wasn't a post-credit scene. I mean, it doesn't change anything, but still, it would have been fun to have a post-credit scene. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, next up. Um, Dark Matter writes, I feel Loki was uh, is just a setup now. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 vibes. I didn't get that. It, like, the only... Here's my... This is what I would suggest, Dark. The only way it's a setup series is if you weren't looking at what the real story was. The real story was Loki himself and his character journey. And if you miss that, then, okay, then I could sort of see why you would look at it at the series as a setup thing. But you were overlooking the main story, the main purpose, the main um, the main narrative of what this show was, which is Loki and his transformation. That was the main gist. The TVA is an accent. Kang is an accent. All these things with larger, bigger ramifications to come down the road for sure. But Loki is about Loki. And that's why that finale, when it gave us that moment with Loki and Sylvie, and you saw him coming to that conclusion of his character journey, it felt incredibly satisfying to me. Like that moment was so satisfying to me. And I guess if you miss that, 
then I can totally, I guess I could see why the rest of it may have felt like just filler. But if you got the main understanding of what the story was about, I thought it was pretty satisfying. But hey, we all experience these things in different ways, Dark Matter. All right, next up, Black Rice 19 writes, Wow, awesome finale and badass intro to Kang. The episode sets him up as an Avengers-level threat. Ant-Man 3 won't be the last time we see him. Oh, and it wasn't the first time we saw him. And I, I agree. I don't think Ant-Man 3 is going to be the last time we see him. I think the whole multiversal thing will be brought to a conclusion in Doctor Strange 2, but it's probably not going to be the end of Kang. Now, I'm not saying Kang's going to be around for the next five to ten years, like one of an early an earlier writer uh, wrote in and said, but uh, but I do think he's going to be here for a bit. And I, I who better to have playing this guy than the current nominated Best Actor Emmy in Jonathan Majors? I think it's great, and it makes me very excited for things we've got coming up. All right, next up. Uh, Black Rice 19 also writes, <clears throat> I prefer this exposition-heavy finale compared to the other MCU Disney Plus shows. With barely any action, a ton happened in 46 minutes. MCU has changed. I mean, I, I don't have a preference. Personally, Black Rice, I don't have a preference between, let's say, action-heavy finale, narration, exposition-heavy finale. It all depends on what would work best for this show right now. If an action-heavy finale, like I believe was necessary for the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, if that's what's needed for that particular narrative, then that's what you do. And I thought that worked great for Falcon and the Winter Soldier's finale. But that's not the finale that a Loki series needed, at least, at least in my opinion. And mine is not the only opinion, but at least not in my opinion. I didn't feel like that would have been the right ending for this show. The exposition was needed. Now, again, they could have bought themselves some more time so they could have done a little more show, don't tell. That probably would have made it better and flow easier. But yeah, good exposition. Good exposition is key. And I, I thought the exposition we got was actually pretty good, but that's just me. All right, next up. Uh, Jose Man writes, Hey, John. Um, I was so mesmerized by Jonathan Major's performance, but I could not understand the purpose of this Loki show. Well, I mean, we just kind of talked about that. The purpose, there's a couple things. Number one, the purpose of Loki, let's go back to WandaVision. Yeah, they set up Scarlet Witch and they, yeah, they did all that. But the main purpose of WandaVision was to travel with this young woman who's got to go through a journey of trying to figure out a way to deal with her unspeakable grief. That's what WandaVision was about. It wasn't about ancient witches. It wasn't about magical books. It wasn't about reality-altering domes. At the core of WandaVision, what that show was about was the journey of a young woman trying to find a way to deal with her unspeakable grief. That's what WandaVision was about. And that's why, I, I, to me, that's still, it's still the best MCU show, was WandaVision. When you look at Loki, that's the thing. It's Let's take this character that we've seen off and on throughout the existence of the MCU and let's really go into a character dive on him and let's watch him go through a metamorphosis where it starts off with him realizing like this, this whole facade that he puts up isn't really who he is, but he needs to discover that he needs to discover his frailty. He needs to discover his shortcomings. He needs to understand why he's behaved the way he behaves and then ultimately come to a place, a new place of resolution, which is what we saw in the finale. And on that level, I thought it was great. Like to me, character is everything. 
And that's part of the reason why I was so attracted to WandaVision. And that's why, despite some weak episodes and some questionable strategy decisions they've made with the show Loki, I still find myself being very satisfied with Loki because of that character focus. And that's why I loved it. And then, like WandaVision, that on top of the character journey, it opened up and set up a few other things. Loki did as well. It brought in and introduced us to Kang, which is clearly going to be a significant thing, at least in the next two years. So well, let's see where they go with it. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Jose, man. I appreciate that, dude. All right. Next up. Um, let's see here. Next up, we've got Tacky75 who writes. Um, Hollywood Reporter, Loki, Loki to appear in Doctor Strange 2. Yes, we talked about that on the John Campus show today. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. So uh, let's see where they go with that. All right, next up. Uh, Crash Swan uh, just sends in a super chat uh, to be supportive. Thank you, Crash Swan. I appreciate that, man. Uh, Frankie Gouge writes, When the elevator door opened showing J- uh, Jonathan Majors, immediately thought this was from Jurassic Park. You did it. The crazy son of a bitch. You actually did it. Yeah, I mean... Listen, you guys know I believed it was going to be Kang, but I wasn't 100% certain, <clears throat> but I believed all the, all the signs were pointing to Kang, but it wasn't until that moment when the door opened and they showed Jonathan Major sitting there in that chair. I was like, ah, there we go. Here we go. Now business is about to pick up. Totally loved that. You crazy sons of bitches. You did it. Frankie also writes, biggest surprise for myself. I was thinking too small all season. This was bigly. Yeah, I agree. Like a lot of the time through the season, I'm like, okay, the TVA is supposed to be this massive thing. Oh, look at the TVA cityscape. Oh, it's so big. But every time we're in a room in the TVA, there's like three people, right? <clears throat> it, it, it never felt big. Everything felt very small, very localized. Well, that changed. That changed with this episode. Now it seems very big. Very big indeed. All right, next up. Frankie also writes, There were some scenes in previews not shown, i.e. King Loki, cutting room floor, or intentional fake-out. Probably an intentional fake-out, I'm guessing. That whole thing with him standing with his arms out in front of a big throne. Yeah, probably a fake-out. Pretty easy to shoot. Kevin Feige, we know, has gotten into the habit lately of putting out misleading information to keep people on their toes. So probably a little bit of that. But but then again, it could have been, you know, a quick glimpse of another variant on something else that maybe wasn't all that important. They decided to take it out. I'm guessing it's either something that was really not important, so they cut it, or it was an intentional publicity fake out. But that's my only two guesses right now. I don't think it was probably anything that was important. Uh, Okay. A uh, shade eleven thirty four in the live chat saying that was a deleted scene from Thor two. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense too. And they decided to put that out. Uh, Frankie Gouge writes after this episode, additional season was always the plan. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I see. I thought <clears throat> well, it was clear that a season two was definitely on their possibility thing because they didn't call Loki a limited series. I thought they were going to wait until after the series was done, evaluate the audience reaction for a few weeks, and then maybe announce a season two. But they, they were, it was right there. They announced at the end of the episode, season two is coming. So you're right. It was always part of the plan. Always part of the plan. Casey McNatt writes, Hey, John, do you think Sylvie sent Loki back to a different timeline or was the TVA just reset under the next Kang variant? I just think as a result of Sylvie ki- killing that Kang, I just think all of reality changed. 
I mean, that's that's my only guess right now. I don't think she sent him to a variant timeline because I don't think a variant timeline really existed yet. So my guess, and it's just a guess because we simply do not have enough information to accurately work off of, but my guess right now is just like it's back to the future. You know, Michael J. Fox came back. Everything was different. And that's why that's my guess right now. Could totally be wrong. Could totally be wrong. But that's why things can happen. Because remember, the TVA sits outside of the timeline. The TVA is outside of time. So it can't just be a variant timeline. It has to be something bigger than that. So that's my guess. Again, I could be wrong. There's not enough information yet. All right. Crash Swan writes. Last scene was great. Mobius's reaction to seeing Loki was confusing at first. I agree, but quickly made sense. It's about to get complicated as fuck in a good way. I hope so. I hope so that it's in a good way. Uh, because it, it could become very confusing very quick, but it was a powerful moment when Loki realizes Mobius couldn't recognize him. And then he saw that Kang statue. It was a powerful moment crash. Totally was next up. Casey McNatt writes, John, I got to say, I was holding my breath for you when a miss minute showed up. I bet you're so happy. You, d- you don't have to eat that clock. Yeah. It's Cause I remember saying she turns out to be the main villain, but no, I mean, listen, we always knew miss minutes wasn't going to be the main villain. And you know, them doing what they do with her in the finale made sense that she was still an administrative clerk for the, for the TVA. But she knows things not everybody else does. So it was good to see her there. All right. Uh, But even when she popped up, I never for a second thought she was ultimately the big bad guy. And I never thought that. All right. Next up, Sam Fisher writes. So I guess you were partially right. It looks like Kang will be a variant of he who remains. I bet Loki is actually in Kang's timeline where he rules. Well, remember, it, it is all just Kang. It's just Kang. Um. So, yeah, it's 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 Kang. You, they can say he who remains, but they never said that was his name. And then he totally tipped the hat when he said, I've been called Conqueror. So Kang the Conqueror, right? So it's it's all there. All right, next up. Uh, where are we at? Um, do, 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 do. Sam Fisher writes, I thought all those reports about Loki season two were rumors was them flashing Loki will be back for season two the first time they confirmed season two. Well, remember, like I was telling people when that when the rumors are coming up, it's say, look, WandaVision was called limited series for a reason because it was going to be a one shot. They did not call Loki a limited series, which means that's at least in a on a drawing board way. The plan is for it to continue on and do more. So. Yes, but I do believe when they put up the card that said season two, that was the first time they totally confirmed it. But again, just the very fact that it was not called a limited series like WandaVision was kind of pointed to us the fact there was going to be a season two. I didn't think they would announce it this early. I I thought they would wait a little bit, but they came right out of the gate and announced it right away. All right, next up. Um, Casey McNatt writes, one of two. Seeing now that Sylvie was pretty much released has pretty much released all of Kane's variants into the MCU. Do you think there's a chance we might get Young Avengers? I don't know how what one has to do with the other. In the near future, uh, is there an Iron Lad variant out there somewhere? Um, I see where you're going with that now. Um, I, listen, my opinion on whether or not we're going to get a Young Avengers hasn't changed. The, the Loki thing hasn't changed it at all. Could it happen? Yes. 90% chance it happens? No. Higher than 5% chance it happens? Yes. 
I, I still think it's in there somewhere. But, I mean, they've certainly got characters in the universe now where they could do it. But just because they've introduced those characters, that doesn't mean that's what they're going to do. But I'm not, I don't, I don't think there's enough information here to definitively say yes or no to either of it. So, is it definitely going to happen? No. Is it absolutely not going to happen? No. So, my, yeah, Loki didn't really change my opinion on that either way. All right, next up. Uh, where are we? We are at Always Sketchy Writes. They've stuck the landing, kind of, in a way. And by the way, Always Sketchy tipped in like $20. Thank you, Always Sketchy. Appreciate that, man. Uh, better finale than WandaVision, in my opinion. I disagree, but that's uh, I'm glad you felt that way. Uh, gave us just the right amount of answers. I do agree with that. I do agree with that. It did give us just the right amount of answers. Like, I still give the nod to WandaVision. The whole battle of the visions... Agatha versus Wanda, Wanda's manifestation as the new Scarlet Witch. Um, that whole, I, I still think that was the superior ending um, to me, but I think the finale of Loki was a lot closer to it than the other episodes were. So I thought the finale to, uh, to Loki was quite good. I didn't think they 100% stuck the landing. Again, I think it would have been a lot better if they introduced Kang in the second to last episode, given the finale more breathing room and allowing them to do more things rather than just sit down straight exposition. But still, I thought it worked and, uh, and still worked pretty well. All right, next up, uh, we've got Christina B. who writes... Uh, did you notice that the first three lines of the intro all referenced Ant-Man? I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, thought that was an interesting choice, but the Kang with the Kang reveal, it made more sense. I don't know what you mean by that, Christine. I got to be honest with you. Do you notice that the first three lines of the intro intro of what? I'm not really clear. Um, huh. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what we're referencing. Sorry about that, Christina. Uh, you guys talk amongst yourselves in the live chat if you know what she's talking about. All right, next up. Uh, Mason Hawking writes, Majors acted the hell out of that episode. I loved it. He, he Listen, he brought everything that an Emmy-nominated best actor should have brought to the role, and he brought it all. And he, I, I couldn't have asked for him to have been any better. All right, next up. Uh, Parnell Baker writes, uh, Do this means... Do this means very past Marvel film, very, sorry, dude, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. Uh, R. Henry 1980 writes, guys, please do a little bit of proofreading before you hit submit, because if I can't understand what we're reading, I got to move on, unfortunately. All right. R. Henry 1980 writes, uh, I see some people saying Loki is in a different timeline, but he's still in the TVA outside of time and space. That's something I was just saying myself, R. Henry. Uh, I think it's just that a different variant of Kang along with Ravona, created and rule it. Again, like I said, whatever it was that specifically happened as a result of Sylvie stabbing that variant of Kang and that he smiles at her, winks at her, says, I'll see you soon, which I thought was totally, I love that line. After she stabs him, he winks at her and says, see you soon. I loved that. That was great. Um, I think however it did it specifically, what it did was it set up that reality had now been altered. Reality had been changed. Something fundamental had been different. It's not just another time branch because the TVA lives outside of it. So you're, I think you're absolutely right about that, R. Henry. But let's see how they describe it once we get more, uh, once we get more information in upcoming projects. All right, R. Henry also writes, 
I think this is a great way of introducing Kang without the general audience being required to have watched the series. It's just a bonus if you did. I agree. Because listen, one of the things we've been saying for a long time, Kevin Feige does not make it a prerequisite to watch previous material in order to watch the newest MCU thing. So now when Kang comes up in whatever the next project is, they're going to be able to easily sum up who this character is, just like they're introducing any villain in any movie. And they're going to be able to move forward for that. And then those of us who have watched Loki will have more a more nuanced understanding of what's going on, but somebody's going to be able to come in cold. A new audience member will still be able to come in cold, whether it's in Spider-Man No Way Home or Ant-Man 3 or Doctor Strange 2. That's part of the brilliance of Kevin Feige and his strategy and why the MCU has become the most popular their most powerful thing in all of entertainment all right next up uh where are we we are at uh rena writes love that marvel intro uh oh yeah with the do 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 and then you hear like vision with what is grief if not love persevering i love that like they threw in a bunch of lines there um best one yet besides the stand tribute and wow they did the thing john majors denied loki uh, loki rumors so can't always believe what actors say cough andrew garfield actually I have something to say about that because that's not actually true. Anyway, but after getting my prediction wrong of a Doctor Strange appearance in WandaVision finale, which, by the way, almost happened, it could have gone either way. So I was skeptical skeptical going into this episode. Also, that kiss so cringe. I agree. I hated the kiss. But let's go back to the to the Jonathan Majors thing for a second. Let's go back to the Jonathan Majors thing for a second. There are a bunch of people running around saying Jonathan Majors denied that he was going to be in Loki. But back when he said that, I mentioned he didn't exactly deny it. He was being interviewed. For those of you who don't know what's going on, a little while ago, Variety was interviewing Jonathan Majors. And they brought up a question. I can't remember exactly how they asked him. But they brought up a question and asked him, um, "Are basically, are you going to be in, in Loki? Are you going to, is your Kang character going to show up in Loki? And what he said specifically was, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, and at the time when that first happened and people brought, I hear Jonathan Major, I said, well, well, wait a minute. He didn't say he's not in Loki. He didn't say he wasn't. He avoided the question. He avoided the question. He didn't say, no, no, no. I can tell you that I'm not in Loki. Uh, I mean, I just recently signed on. And, uh, you know, they, they shot Loki before I ever even signed on. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to my first appearance. That's going to be in Ant-Man three. It's a dream of mine to be in the MCU, blah, 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 blah. But he didn't. All he said was, I don't know what you're talking about. And remember I said at the time, guys, that wasn't really a denial. (laughs) That wasn't really a denial. And that's why, you know, when I was saying, Hey guys, I think all signs are pointing that it's going to be Kang. And people would say to me, John, don't you know that Jonathan majors already said he's not going to be in it. And I said, wait, wait, he didn't say he's not going to be in it. What he did was, is he dodged the question. Now I will also say this. I can think of four or five instances over the past 15 years of when an actor specifically said they weren't in something, but it turns out they were. Out of the tens of thousands of movies that there have been over the last 15 years, I can think of four 
maybe depending on your definition, maybe five times that that's been the case. When an actor says they're not in something, you can generally accept that. Because it's less than 1% of the time that it turns out that it's not true. It happens. Like I said, I can, I can think of four, maybe five instances in the past 15 years that it has. But it's so rare. It's so rare. So it's not impossible. It happens. But again, with the Jonathan Major situation, he never actually denied it. He just dodged the question. So I just, just a little thing that I want us to remind us about uh, with that. Um, which again, by the way, you know, somebody brought up on the John Campus show the other day. They said, you know, it can't be Jonathan Majors. They only cast him a few months ago and they finished shooting Loki before the pandemic. I said, no, 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 no. They announced that they had cast Jonathan Majors only a few months ago. That doesn't mean that's when they, whenever they announce a casting, normally that person was actually cast months before that. They're just now making it public knowledge. So I say, hey guys, just because they only announced Jonathan Majors was cast, he was probably cast months before that, maybe even a year or more before that. And so now... We obviously know that's the case. It doesn't always work out that way, but sometimes it does. All right, next up. Um, yeah, and I agree with you, Rena. The kiss, totally cringe. I hated the kiss. Anyway, next up, Rena also writes, a lot of us theorized multiverse in WandaVision, but it was Loki all along. No jet ski scene and a proper post-credit scene. How dare they, LOL. Overall, enjoyed the season, but WandaVision is still the best show so far for me. Yeah, listen, was I disappointed that we didn't get to see Mobius on that jet ski? Yes. Was I disappointed that we didn't get a post credit scene? Yes. Are either of those things important? No. I would have liked to have seen them. I was looking forward to those things. They didn't happen. Okay, but they're not important. I got the important things. That's key. I got the important things. As long as we got the important things, I'm fine with everything else. All right, next up. Uh, we've got Diego uh, Villasenor writes, The Hollywood Report is reporting that Olsen and Hiddleston are appearing in Multiverse of Madness Thoughts. We talked about that on the John Campy show a little bit earlier today. I would encourage you, if you want to hear me and Rob have a full discussion about that, go on to, uh, go on to my YouTube channel. You'll be going to our video section. You'll be able to see our full discussion about that. And uh, it makes sense. I mean, Olsen, we've known Olsen was going to be in Multiverse of Madness for ages. We've known that for a long time. The Tom Hiddleston one, is a more of a new piece of information, but one after seeing Loki makes total sense. So go ahead and check out that video where we talk about it more at length, Diego. Thanks for writing that in, man. Next up, Leroy Kelly writes, man, that door opening, that was great. The door opening was great. Uh, Majors looked hot and amazing. Yum, says Leroy. LOL. Also, he acted the hell out of that rule. I, I agree. I cannot wait to see more. LOL. He's my favorite surprise in the MCU thus far. And yeah, while there are 5% of us who kind of expected to see it, got to remember, 95% of the audience watching Loki have never heard of Kang. And so that was a big surprise to a lot of people. Not to those of us who do shows like this and who watch shows like this, but for the vast majority, never heard of Kang. That was a big new thing, and I thought Majors was amazing. I thought he was great in it, did not let me down. All right, I had high expectations of him in that role, and he did not let me down. All right, next up, uh, Tashi Victor writes, So, 
Multiverse of Madness seems like it may have one Kang be left to be the big bad. Also, is it just me or did John Major's acting feel too offbeat? Thanks. Oh, I didn't think it felt too offbeat. I thought it felt awesome. A guy with all the confidence in the world. And then when he said, we just crossed the threshold, they've crossed that point now where it's like, now I don't know what's going to happen. And there was something exhilarating about that in him. I Listen, I'm just going to tell you myself, I thought it was awesome the way he played it. And we're going to see very, no pun intended, we're going to see variations in how he plays this character with each variant that we see. He's going to bring little nuanced differences, some big, some small, some barely noticeable, but he's going to do that. And I think that's going to be awesome. And I cannot wait. And uh, yeah, I, and listen, Multiverse of Madness, I have actually a feeling we're going to have like a bunch of Kangs. Again, I think Multiverse of Madness is going to be about the final stand battle. It's got to have Scarlet Witch, Loki's going to be there. Doctor Strange to them closing down and shutting off the multiverse before it destroys all of reality. Because everything we've seen so far is that if this multiverse allows is continues to be allowed to exist, it's going to destroy all of reality. They got to shut it down. And I think that's what we're going to see. I think, but I, I mean, I don't know that. Again, there are other options. There are other options of what it could do, but I think that's what they're going to do. All right, next up. Kick it to the King Productions rights. Marvel lied when they said WandaVision leads into Spider-Man 3. Uh, it's Loki that leads into Spider-Man 3. Major ramifications uh, for our webhead trailer soon. First of all, Marvel never said WandaVision leads directly into Spider-Man 3. Unless there is some press release that I missed. What Kevin Feige did say was that there is one kind of one continuous arc of WandaVision, Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness. But terms like leads directly into, I think these are terms that we in the fandom kind of started to attach to it. So I'm not sure. And by the way, until we see Spider-Man 3, we don't know that the events of Loki lead directly into Spider-Man 3 or not. We just don't know. Maybe it could very well be. Maybe it doesn't at all. Because who knows where in time the events we just saw in Loki actually happen in relation to our regular timeline of where Spider-Man 3 is going to happen, right? We just don't know. So is there going to be some connection? Well, obviously, Kevin Feige has said there's a connection, but how directly of a connection? Don't know yet. We're going to have to find out. Uh, every, everything is still on the table though. I think kick it to the King. I think every option is still on the table. All right. Isaiah Campbell writes, uh, only thing I wished, uh, we as fans didn't know is that Kang was already cast, but Holy bleep. The NCU has flip. Was there more to that? No, has flip. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I think. You know, I really don't think there's any problem with it. I mean, the only thing I would say is that I would have been disappointed if they had already announced that Jonathan Majors was cast as Kang to be in Loki. But the fact that they announced he was just cast as Kang and then said Ant-Man 3, I still think that left it very up to a big surprise for the vast majority of people watching Loki when that door opened and it was Jonathan Majors sitting there. I mean, I was expecting it and I was still overjoyed. When it happened, like the door is like, yeah, like I was overjoyed when I saw that. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's good. I think it's good. Okay, let's keep going here. Uh, who was that? That was Isaiah Campbell. Thanks for writing that in, Isaiah. Next up, we got Jason E. Riaz who writes, 
I was hoping it wasn't going to be someone goofy, and it kind of was. Oh, I disagree. Not sure how I feel about this portrayal of Kang. Fits Ant-Man, though. Again, I thought the portrayal was great. Remember, we are literally going, there are literally hundreds, if not more, variants of Kang. And all of them will have some slightly, some a little bit more significant differences in their personality. When you understand who this character was and what he was doing, I think he was acting exactly the way a character in that position would. A character who had been there and seen it all and done it for untold millennia knows exactly what's going to happen. The arrogance that comes with it, the thrill of not knowing when she crosses the threshold. I personally loved it. I didn't think it was goofy at all. I thought it was very self-assured. I think it was a guy who doesn't get to talk to other sentient beings all that much. Yeah, I just, I ate it up. But listen, Jason, it's all subjective. It didn't quite work for you. I respect that. Uh, I just got to say it did kind of work for me. I kind of thought it worked. But hey, it didn't work for you and that's totally okay, man. All right, next up. Um, Ashonald Ruffin writes, I hope I said your name right, man. Um, Is it just me or do the windows behind Kang's desk highly resemble the Mangiko Sherrigan from... I don't even know what that is. Uh, I know you're talking about the movie Naruto, Naruto, but I I don't know specifically what it is we're talking about. Uh, They have strong resemblance. Look it up. Uh, Maybe I will go look it up at some point. Thanks, man. Next up, uh, Dean Data writes... Hey, John and crew, where do you think we will find Sylvie next? I mean, listen, there is a possibility we don't see. I've I've seen some people theorizing that we're going to see Sylvie now in Spider-Man 3. Or we'll see Sylvie in Doctor Strange 2. And those are both possible. Absolutely. I'll just say this. I won't be surprised if we don't see Sylvie again until Loki season 2. I'm not saying that's definitely the case. I think her popping up in Spider-Man is possible. Definitely possible in in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Definitely possible that she pops up in Ant-Man 3. I think all those are legitimate possibilities. But right now, I I won't be shocked if we don't see her until Loki Season 2. I mean, I think all those possibilities are very close. Maybe if I had to bet $1, I would bet it on Loki Season 2. But my mind can be easily changed on that. My mind could be easily changed. All right, next up. Uh, Tony Hurd writes, Did not expect Jonathan Majors to show up. A lot of people didn't, Tony, so you're not alone. I thought this was a great finale and set up for the future of the MCU and season two. Listen, it it certainly does set the stage. If nothing else, that episode definitely set the stage for a lot of the things that we know that are coming. Now, it also doesn't tell us anything about a lot of other things. How is this going to impact Ms. Marvel? Maybe not at all. How's it going to impact She-Hulk? Maybe not at all. How's it going to impact Shang-Chi? Maybe not at all. How's it going to impact Eternals? Maybe not at all. Or maybe significantly. Don't know. But it definitely did set the table for what Kevin Feige was saying was that one major story arc that's going to involve WandaVision, Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with that, and it definitely did set that up really well. All right, next up, we've got um, Ben Rayner, who writes, his felt more like, probably meant this, this felt more like the episode before the finale, more than the actual finale. It was okay. Didn't like the reveal uh, guy seemed annoying to me. Hate the ending. Two out of six for me. Uh, hey, listen, and for some people, it's not going to work. For some people, it's not going to work. I get it. 
Yeah, there were elements of it that frustrated me. Again, I love the Kang character. I love the, the portrayal Jonathan Majors gave. I do wish they had revealed Kang in the second to last episode so it could have had a lot more breathing room in the final episode. There were some things I wish could have been done differently, but overall I felt pretty satisfied with it, especially with the most important thing being accomplished, the Loki character journey. That was the most important thing, and that they wrapped up really beautifully. And uh, that's why overall, for me, it worked. But I get it. You're not the only one, Ben, that it didn't work for. So I totally get it, man. All right, next up. Um, Where are we at? Logan Tamlin writes, If Toby and Andrew aren't in No Way Home after that just happened, oh, there's going to be some disappointed people. Screw them. Screw them, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, but I think this only makes it more likely. Expecting a trailer by the end of the month. I'm expecting a trailer by the end of the month as well. I really am. But did the events of this movie at all increase to me the chances that Toby and Andrew will be in Spider-Man 3? Nope. For me, no. Now, you guys, if you watch me, you already know that I am kind of a, I believe, I'm not going to use the word expecting. I believe that we're going to see Andrew and uh, Toby, however, in however small of a role, I do believe we're going to see them in the, in uh, Spider-Man three. However, there's a difference between believe and know. Because despite whatever some people online are trying to sell you, there is no evidence that Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire are going to be in Spider-Man 3. There is simply no evidence that there is. I believe they will be. I believe they will. But the reality is there is no evidence that they are. At least no evidence that you can actually take to the bank. No evidence that you can take to the bank. Nobody at Marvel has confirmed it. None of the principals have confirmed it. No real news site has confirmed it or reported on it. Like, you're not going to find anything about that in The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, The Wrap, Deadline, Entertainment Weekly. None of them have said anything about it. Um, so there's no real... So if if you're one of these fans that you're building up your expectations... And now if I don't get these guys pop up in a cameo in Spider-Man 3, I'm not going to like the movie. Well, screw you. I mean, then you're the wrong kind of fan. I'm not saying you shouldn't be excited about the idea of it. I mean, I believe they're going to be there. But you can't be one of those problematic fans where it's like, I want this to happen. And if this doesn't happen, then I'm not going to like it. You don't want to be one of those losers. Don't be one of those. You can be one of these, man, it'd be pretty cool if, and, if Andrew and Toby showed up. There's, that's fine. That's great. But I don't think anything that's happened in, in Loki has changed my position on this at all. I still believe they're going to be there, but I don't know that they're going to be there. And more importantly, they don't need to be there. Guess what? Toby and Andrew weren't in Spider-Man Homecoming, and Spider-Man Homecoming was great. Guess what? Toby and Andrew weren't in Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man Far From Home was great. So guess what? Andrew and Toby don't need to be in Spider-Man 3 for Spider-Man 3 to be great. So don't be one of those problematic fans that sets up artificial prerequisites in order for you to enjoy the movie. I think that's lame. I think that's really lame. And I think we all do it. 
I think I've done it, and I think it's pretty lame that I've done it. I think every fan does it from time to time, but we got to try to resist the urge to do that. We do. So that's that's just kind of just take whatever hopes and expectations you have for a movie or TV show and then put it up into a little bag and leave it at the door when you go in to watch the movie and then evaluate the movie on its own merits, not on does it meet your artificial prerequisites that you artificially created in your own mind. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But I still believe they're going to be there. Uh, We'll see. Next up, uh, Julianne S. writes. The fi- it's a fine line between cliffhanger and unsatisfying. For me, that was unsatisfying. Felt like there was no climax or resolution, only uh, rising action. See, again, I disagree, Julianne, because to me, like I understand that the main story of Loki is Loki and his story and his character development and his character journey. And I got a beautiful resolution to that. That moment, see, I think everybody's overlooking, everybody's talking about the Kang moments, and that's understandable. That's the big flashy sexy, is the Kang stuff. But to me, the real thing about Loki, the heart of Loki, was when Loki had that conversation with Sylvie, and he's like, look, I don't need a throne. I just want to save reality. I want to save you. Like, that to me is the destination of a journey that started in episode one, had been beautifully developed through his speech about it's the it's the lie of control and it's 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 an artificial lie conjured by the weak and he's talking about himself all the way through to episode five him saying his his self actualization of I have betrayed everyone who's ever loved me and then to come into episode six and to have him come full circle with I don't need a throne I just want to save you and I want to I mean to me. That was the ultimate, most important, most vital, and most relevant ending for this series. And then there's window dressing. Kang, the timeline stuff, that's all going to become far more relevant in other MCU stuff as we move forward, maybe even in season two of Loki. But the main meat was Loki himself. And that's why for me, it was still really, really satisfying. But I get it, Julianne, because I mean, if you're looking, if other things were of more importance to you, then I could see how that felt very unsatisfying. So yeah, I completely get it. I do. But for me, because they put the focus on the character of Loki and brought that to conclusion... For me, it ended up being satisfying, but I can totally get why it wouldn't be for you. So thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. All right. Kick it to the King production rights. Um, does this timeline going into chaos, expecting Toby and Andrew in no way home. Does that mean that fantastic four X-Men timelines are part of the MCU? No, I don't think so. I mean, that's, that's a big nebulous fan, uh, fan wet dream, but I, I really don't think that's, I mean, listen, you got to keep in mind. Now, remember, when when Fox was being bought out by Disney, Kevin Feige, very, very early in those days, was asked, oh, so when are you bringing in X-Men and things like that? What did Kevin Feige say? He said, I've got the next five years already planned out. Once that's done, we'll start with the X-Men and Fantastic Four. And despite the fact that Kevin Feige said that, Everybody, when every new Marvel thing has come along, everybody insists that this is where the X-Men come. I even remember, and I brought this up before, when some of the first images of Thanos were coming out for uh, Infinity War, and they showed, you know, Thanos has those three scars on his face, right? 
I still remember, they'll deny it now, but it was all over the internet. This is proof that Wolverine is in Infinity War. This is confirmation. Confirmation. Wolverine's in Infinity War. See the three scars? That couldn't have been caused by anything other than the adamantium claws of one knucklehead, the Wolverine. Well, obviously that wasn't the case. And then everything that has come out since then, everybody swears X-Men's going to come out. And then in WandaVision, everybody swore that this is going to be the real Quicksilver. This is going to be where they're bringing the X-Men in. And it's like, guys, Kevin Feige said the next five years planned out. That means, that means, unless Kevin Feige was lying, that all this stuff with Multiverse of Madness and Loki, this was all stuff that was already on the blueprints. He already had this stuff planned out before he even knew that he was getting his hands on the X-Men. So my guess is, and again, Kevin Feige's a human being, he can change his mind, but we say this with every new X-Men property that comes out, and it always turns out that Kevin Feige was right. I do not expect that since when he planned out Loki, he didn't even know they were going to have X-Men yet, then X-Men have nothing to do with his plans here. That Again, he can change his mind, but I still kind of believe, I, I just choose to believe Kevin Feige. Until we find out he's lying, I'm just going to choose to believe Kevin Feige on this. All right, next up. Uh, Austin Smelly writes, Hey, John, uh, we know that there will be a season two. Do you think it will be before Doctor Strange 2 or after? I think it'll be after Doctor Strange 2. That's my, I mean, because Doctor Strange 2 is already shot. They've already shot it. It's in the can. It's in post-production now, right? They have not begun shooting a single thing on Loki season two yet. Uh, so it's, I believe it's definitely going to come after Doctor Strange 2. Also, you think Sylvie will be in charge of the timelines or will it be another variant of Kang? Oh, I don't, that's the problem. No, I think that's the chaos. No one's in charge of the timelines. That's the problem. That's what we saw as all the realities were starting to splinter off and branch out because now there wasn't anybody in charge of it. And that's kind of the big problem there. That's the big problem there. All right, guys, we have hit the top of the hour. It is now 6 p.m. Uh, so I'm going to take another break here for five to 10 minutes, stretch my legs, rest up the voice, make sure I don't go completely hoarse. And then we will come back and pick up again. But I am going to let you guys know this, that when I come back from after the break, we are going to be turning off the Super Chat feature because quite frankly, we've gotten way more uh, people sending in things than I thought we would. And I think we already have more than I'm going to be able to finish today. So I think we're going to have to have a part two to this video probably tomorrow. Uh, so I want to make sure that we don't have too many people not get their questions answered today. So when I come back from break, I'm going to be turning off the super chat feature. So if you do have a thought, observation, question, theory, speculation, whatever that you want to throw in there, you got the next five, six, seven minutes to put it in there. And then I'll turn off the super chat feature and then we will pick right back up when we get back. So talk amongst yourselves, grab something to eat, grab yourself a drink. Run, use the bathroom, do whatever. Uh, whatever you guys are going to do, hang tight. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. All right, everybody. And we are back. Thank you.
for your patience and indulgence. It took a little bit of a break there. We have gone over two hours now. Let's keep on going and get through more of your questions. I have now turned off the super chat feature just so you guys know. So uh, we are we have capped off. There's no way we're getting through all of them. You guys, man, obviously so much to talk about. You guys have sent in so many questions. We're not going to be able to get through all of them, of course. There will be a part two to this video probably coming sometime tomorrow. So keep your eyes open for that. But we still do have some time here today, even though we've gone two hours. But let's keep going for now, shall we? Next up, we're going to go over to Power is Power, who writes... Okay, so that was a good episode. Little bit Wizard of Oz, true. A uh, little bit Willy Wonka, true. Uh, with a splash of Planet of the Apes with that ending. Actually, that's a really good observation, Powers Power. Well said, man. All right, next up, My Comic Planet writes, I love Jonathan Majors, but I didn't love his version of Kang. Not sure if it was his mannerisms or what. I think his other versions will be better. See, and I, I personally disagree, but we've heard from some other people that didn't totally dig this iteration of Kang, I really did. It really flowed with me. It vibed with me really, really well. But it won't for everybody, and that's totally okay. The key is I think we're going to get... I think we're going to get a lot of Kangs. And I think they're all going to have a little bit different nuances. So we'll see how that plays out, my comic plan. Thanks for, thanks for sharing your thoughts, man. All right, next up, James Argenta writes, Do you think Kang will be Avengers 5 villain? No, I don't. Now, I, I don't feel confident in that. I don't feel confident saying, no, I don't think he will be. My guess right now is that he won't be. I think it'll be somebody else. But it, it very well could be. So, like I said, don't hold me to that. Don't, don't hold me to that. All right, next up. Jonathan uh, Blasberg writes, Hot take. Loki's Sylvie romance isn't weird. Different personalities and life experiences from each other, so they shouldn't be considered the same being. Mm, that's fine, but they are the same being. They are variants of each other. They are duplicates of each other in different ways. Um, so look, look, I, I am not sitting here saying you should be grossed out by it. I'm not. I'm not saying anybody else should be grossed out by it. Not at all. This is a totally make-believe, non-real situation, okay? This is a totally make-believe, doesn't actually exist in reality, totally made-up fictional situation. So however you feel about this totally make-believe, completely made-up piece of fiction is fine with me. If you're cool with it, you're cool with it. I'm just telling you, I kind of feel grossed out by it. I just feel a little bit grossed out by it. But that's just me. That's just how I feel about this totally make-believe doesn't actually happen or is real in real life situation. That's just mine. But anyway, thanks for your take on that, Jonathan. And next up, Tyler Pfeiffer writes, I generally thought for a brief second Miss Minutes was actually going to be the main bad guy. Love that this particular Kang isn't a pure villain. Great way to subvert our expectations. Yeah, and listen. Most villains, other than like the odd one, like Malekith or whatever, a lot of villains in the MCU aren't just pure evil. Like even Thanos, the ultimate bad guy, who is evil, but there, there are some roots. Look, he legitimately cared for Gamora. There's a part of him that I believe really did want to try to save the universe by pruning half of it, even though Endgame totally revealed that he was still an evil son of a bitch. Most of the Marvel villains aren't just pure evil. Some of them have been, but a lot of times they're not. And that's what I think makes villains really interesting is when they're like that. Loki himself has been portrayed as a villain, but he's not, you know, traditionally a villain. So, I mean, I really like the way they kind of deal with that. All right, next up. 
Uh, Tyler also writes, so there are apparently different versions of the TVA. This new one we saw wasn't focused on hunting Loki variants. Mobius did not recognize Loki. No, see, that's the thing. The TVA exists outside of time. It's not a part of timelines or nexuses or variations or things like that. It exists outside of time. So again, I go back to, to really feeling like this is a situation of it really being more like, um, uh, being more like a back to the future situation. Reality was altered. Reality was altered, period. It's not a new branch. It's not a different version of it. It's just that reality got altered. How they're going to explain that, I'm not really clear. Totally, I'm not clear on it. But let's see where they go with it. All right, next up. Tyler also writes, uh, will we get Loki season two before Ant-Man three? That's come up a few times. I don't know. I think it's possible, but for me right now, it's kind of a coin toss. All right, Anthony MR writes, one of two. I was disappointed by all the talking, but I understand they needed to explain stuff. However, as a comic fan, I'm glad because it looks like the Kang stuff will be handled well. I agree. Um, uh, my mind is racing, wondering which version of Kang we are getting in Ant-Man 3 and how or if this affects Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I'm actually excited about the MCU, again, about the MCU. Well, that's great. I'm actually feeling a little bit worried for the MCU right now, but I'm glad for your enthusiasm. Which one are we going to get in Ant-Man? That's a great question. Will this impact Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Oh, I think this is everything about Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. And I could be wrong. I have no insider information. This is just me fan speculating. But again, I believe this is all going to culminate in Doctor Strange 2. I really do. I think it's all going to culminate in Doctor Strange 2. I think the multiverse gets shut down. I think that's how they, Wanda, Strange, Loki, save all of reality is by bringing timeline back into harmony. But that doesn't mean that Kang disappears, though. Kang can still totally be a part of that after that. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I could be totally right. I could be totally wrong. I could be 50% right, 50%. I don't know. We'll see how it all goes. All right. Uh, Brian Learns Stuff writes, How was the timeline within the TVA affected if the TVA exists outside of time? Uh, time travel scenarios are impossible to keep lo uh, logistically sound. It is. It's, it's, there's always logic problems. Really wanted to like Loki, but the show just feels so forced and undermines the entire rest of the MCU, in my opinion. Love the characters, but not the plot. Uh, there are two things. Number one, again, I think changing reality is different from changing a timeline. I know that might be a very fine difference between them, but I, do, I personally believe there's a difference between altering reality and altering the timeline. Altering the timeline doesn't affect the TVA. Altering reality probably does. That's my guess. That's my guess. It could turn out to be something completely different. When it comes to the plot, though, again, I, I personally feel like a lot of people are looking at the wrong thing as the plot. Again, as WandaVision, the, WandaVision was not about a dome over a small town. WandaVision was about a young woman finding a way to deal with her unspeakable grief. Loki is not about the battle of the TVA to find variants. Loki is about a prince of Asgard actually finding himself and finding a way to become the man that he actually wants to be. That, to me, is what Loki was about. And I love that plot. I love that story. 
the secondary stuff has its strengths and its weaknesses. I agree. Which is why I wasn't really a big fan of episodes three or episodes five of this series. But episode five definitely had its moments. But that's what I saw as the plot myself. But listen, Brandon, I think you're going to find, and I think you'll agree, that this isn't going to be the most beloved series. There's just a lot of things people can have problems with, with this one. I overall liked it, but it's my least favorite of the MCU shows so far. I think a lot of people are going to end up having a problem with it, though. And and I, I get that, and I totally understand why. All right, next up, uh, we have Cody Hunt. Wait a second, let me just make sure I am here. Okay, Cody Hunt writes, <clears throat> the multiverse didn't converge in the beginning, they were always separated, each multiverse having its own TVA and own timeline to protect, to protect, to protect. This is chaos. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's what they were saying in the show at all. You could be right, but I'm saying my understanding of this thing was that's not true. It's, there weren't multiple versions of the TVA, I don't think. But then again, it might be. We'll have to see. All right. Um, next up, we've got Al Rensha who writes, hey, John. If Loki has the power to enchant people now, do you think Loki will enchant Mobius and B-15 and give them their memories back in season two? Remember, if reality has been altered, they don't have memories. They don't have memories. The, 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 the agents of the TVA had memories that were blocked or wiped or whatever as they now took on roles in the TVA. That's not the case here now. Reality itself has changed. This Mobius does not know Loki. So, if anything, the one thing that could happen is, I don't know, Loki injects memories into Mobius, but if I'm right, and I'm not necessarily right, but if I'm right, then there's no memories in this Mobius's mind to unlock. Reality's been changed. So I don't know. We'll have to kind of see, see where they go. Reality being changed doesn't necessarily mean the timeline's been changed. Remember, I think there is a very fine but distinct difference between a timeline difference and reality-altering difference. Uh, but then again, maybe I'm overthinking it. Totally possible, Al Renshaw. All right, next up, Al also writes, Hey, John. How ironic would it be if Loki gets his mind wiped and Renslayer is the one who saves him slash destroys the TVA? Listen, Ravona Renslayer in the comics is a complicated character, but sometimes she's very much portrayed as a noble person. I mean, it very well could be in the show. At the end of the day, she wasn't trying to uphold and save the TVA because she's evil. She was, at the end of the day, fighting to uphold the mission of the TVA because she believes it's what's necessary to save the universe. She may have been wrong, although she may have been right. Uh, she, her, she, she may be incorrect in, in doing what she's doing, but she's being motivated by her belief in the mission to protect reality. And if that's the case, we very well could see a very heroic Ravona labor on. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. All right, next up. Uh, Cody Hunt writes, um, Loki truly changed this season. He really did. He had the chance to rule and chose not to. I could have never imagined that being the case. Great character progression. I absolutely agree. You know, one of the things I said earlier on in the season of Loki was that what Loki the series is going to be 
is an expedited evolution that it took several movies and many years for us to see Loki go through that evolution in the movies. Because in the movies, it took us years to get Loki from where we found him and left him at in Thor until the part where he actually sacrifices himself trying to save his brother in Infinity War. That was a lot of years and several movies and all that kind of stuff. And in Loki, we pick up with Loki from the end of Avengers and get an expedited evolution because new things are happening to him that didn't happen to the other Loki. And for me, Cody, that was a very satisfying journey. That part of it for me was a very satisfying journey. Uh, Okay, next up, we've got Evelyn who writes, one of two. Overall, it was an okay show for me. I feel like the problem I had is that the Loki slash Sylvie relationship as a romance was never good for me. Uh, So that hurt my experience. Hiddleston was great. Owen is a great addition to the MCU. I completely agree. We got to have more Mobius. Uh, And Jonathan Majors and Richard E. Grant stole the show in their episodes. Completely agree, Evelyn. And I also agree with you completely about the, the, the romance part. For me, that part never clicked. I like, see, here's the weird thing. I like ultimately the chemistry between Sylvie and Loki or Loki and Loki, but the romance part of it just always felt very jarring to me. Again, it's two versions of the same person that never worked. Even though I like the banter between the two characters and I like seeing them fighting side by side. And I like that the romance part just never worked for me. And for some of you, it did. And that's great. I'm not trying to yuck on your yum. That is awesome if it worked for you. I wish it worked for me, but it didn't. So yeah, I I really agree with a lot of your assessments there, Evelyn. I really do. All right, next up, Anthony M.R. writes. Where are we at? There we are. Anthony M.R. writes. After that final scene, it feels like we finally have a sense of where phase four is heading. I kind of agree. Um, I call this the multiverse phase, but that ending with Kang just confirms it now. Yeah, It kind of does. And again, like I said, to me, it just kind of reaffirms my belief, Anthony, that this is all coming to a climax in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think this is where it's all going to climax. Because it's got a climax pretty soon. Because remember, the whole message of this thing, including Kang at the end, was like, look, if this multiverse thing happens, everything's going to be destroyed. It's going to be the end of everything. So that's got to be stopped. And I think with Doctor Strange 2 being the master of the mystic arts um, and being the, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme and Scarlet Witch, who is herself a Nexus being, and now Loki, a more powered up god of Asgard, working together, I think they're going to do that. But we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I agree with your assessment on this, man. I really do. All right. Well, well said, Anthony. Next up, we've got uh, Cody Hunt, who writes... Rewatched the series last night, and I wasn't really on board with Sophia in her first couple of episodes, but in the last few, I really grew fond of her performance. Yeah, there there have been a number of people who were not thrilled with Sylvia. I can't remember um, Sophia's last name, but who were not been thrilled with her performance in the role. I will say, man, I, I hate being critical of actors. I, I don't know if I loved her performance. I don't know if I loved her performance. I will say this. I think her performance was serviceable. Like her playing Sylvie and her performance never took me out of the show. 
You know, we, there have been bad performances out there where, you know, when somebody starts speaking lines, it totally pulls you out of the movie. That wasn't the case with Sophia. That being said, I don't exactly think she elevated the material either. You know, I, I, I don't feel like she elevated the material. Now, I do agree with you. The further we got into the show, the more and more I felt like she was starting to feel at home in that character. But it, it took a while to get there. So, yeah, at, at the end of the day, the, the jury's still out for me a little bit. I'm, I'm going to be interested in seeing how she evolves playing this character whenever we see Sylvie again, whether it's in Loki season two or one of the upcoming movies. We'll have to kind of wait and see. All right. Thanks for sharing that, Cody. Next up, uh, Chris M writes, how amazing was Jonathan Majors? He was super amazing. Jonathan Majors was fantastic in it. His delivery was superb and made me even more excited for the future of the MCU. Wow. Yeah, listen, because knowing that Kang is going to be a significant figure, at least at times in the MCU in the next couple of years, seeing him playing it last night made me feel way more settled because he took a character like Kang, which is a very, very difficult character. And he made him feel tangible. He made a Kang the Conqueror feel real. A little bit more grounded even in the midst of all the lunacy. Um, so yeah, personally, I, I loved what he brought to it. Again, as some people have mentioned on the show, didn't work for everybody. Not everybody loved it and that's fine. But for me, Chris, it, it really did. It really did. So I'm glad you felt so too. All right. <clears throat> Frankie writes, uh, looking back, he remains, uh, personality came through the fake timekeepers, especially when they laughed, when she cut the first one's head off again, I, I don't see any purpose in referring to him as he who remains. I understand the connection in the comics. I do understand that, but it just call it what it is. It was Kang. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right about that again, but still this goes back, Frankie, to what somebody else was asking earlier. Even after the episodes, I'm still not really clear why Kang had to set up these fake timekeepers. I, I still don't really get what the purpose of that was. Maybe they'll explain it at some point in the future. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, uh, Aubus626 uh, writes, On Disney Plus's MCU timeline order, Loki appears before WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier, which means that WandaVision could be hearing the twins' voices from another timeline. Uh, uh, Theoretically speaking, but then again, the events of of, uh, Loki happen outside of time, so I'm not really sure when they're saying it happens. Like, as a lot of it happens in the void at the end of time, which is long after the events of WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier. Some of it takes place in 1980s. A lot of it takes place in the TVA, which sits place which which sits outside of time. So look, I respect whatever Disney is saying with where Loki happens in the time, but realistically speaking, where really does it happen in the time? It happens outside of time most of it. Some of it happens in the 1800s. Some of it happens in the 1980s. Some of it happens in the void at the end of time. Some of it happens in the TVA, which is outside of time. So I don't know. How can they actually tell us when Loki happens? Not sure. But you are right, Abbas. I mean, there is a possibility here that what she hears, but again, it is just the same sound clip 
of her kids calling out to her earlier in the episode of WandaVision, which to me makes it sound like it's more of her just thinking about them and hearing those voices in her head because it's the same sound clip. So, I mean, I don't know. The, the ultimate answer here, obviously, is that I just don't know. We'll have to wait and see. By the way, Chris Hunt sends in a, a super chat badge in the live chat just to be supportive. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that, man. All right. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, we're going two and a half hours, and I did a two-hour show earlier today, so my voice is starting to go a little bit. Uh, JSOP4 writes, Jonathan Majors as Kang, amazing. Far-off prediction, Doctor Doom settles the multiverse war in Fantastic Four movie, and Avengers 5 will be Secret Wars. Nah, I again, remember, Kevin Feige, who so far has totally proven to be right, has said all this was in his plans before they ever got Fantastic Four and uh and x-men which means he knows how the events of loki are going to resolve before he ever knew he was going to have fantastic four x-men dr doom and all all that sorts of things so i'm going to guess that no dr doom nor anybody from the x-men universe are going to be part of what the resolution to all this is because this was on the planning boards before he ever thought he had those characters so and again eventually X-Men characters and Fantastic Four characters are going to be brought in. But so far, everything that Kevin Feige said, he's stuck He's stuck to. And so I don't see any reason to change our minds on that. But you never know. You never know, JSOP. Let's see what happens. All right, next up. Evelyn writes, I was waiting for the Kang all along music. Oh, don't, don't laugh. I wanted to... <clears throat> Last night, I actually considered getting the music for Agatha all along and singing my own lyrics. It was Kang all along. I thought about doing that, but I decided it was too much hassle to do. All right. Uh, next up, because I wanted to go to bed after watching it. Uh, Abus uh, writes, was not a fan of Sylvie's character, but maybe if a Loki's purpose is to allow others to become a better version of themselves, <clears throat> then Sylvie has allowed Loki to become a better version of himself. I'll tell you what, Abus that is the best explanation of the purpose of Sylvie's character I've heard yet. That's honest. I love that. I love what you just said. I love what you just said. Uh, by the way, our friend Russell Amador and Dynasty both send in super chat badges in the live chat just to be supportive. Thank you guys. I appreciate that very much. Um, but I love what you just said. Let's bring it back up on screen again. It was not a fan of Sylvie's character, but maybe if a Loki's purpose is to allow others to become a better version of themselves or the best version of themselves, then Sylvie's purpose was allowing this Loki to become a better or best version of himself. Dude, that's poetic. I love that. I love the way you just said that's terrific. I, I didn't really think of it that way, but I think you nailed it. I really did. Maybe the whole purpose of this Agatha, I can't keep on saying Agatha, maybe the whole purpose of this Loki, of the Sylvie Loki, was to help our Loki become and evolve and be the best version of himself. I love that. Beautifully put, man. Beautifully. <clears throat> Beautifully put. All right, next up. Uh, Olorotomy8 writes, oh, just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, dude, very much. Uh, as does, you know what? These are probably super chats that came in during the John Campus show earlier today. So we'll just kind of rifle through those and we'll go back to James Argento who writes, I loved major's performance as Kang. I agree. Slash Immortus slash he who remains. I can't wait to see how he portrays the other versions of Kang hashtag Kang gang. Bring on the Kang gang. Yeah. Again, I, 
Not only did I love what he did with it, I'm looking forward a lot, James, to see what he does bring to each variation of Kang that we see. Now, again, listen, I'm just guessing because of the comics background and everything that we're going to see multiple, multiple Kangs, but we may not. We may just get one more Kang and that's just going to be it, maybe. But whether it's just one more or whether it's five more or whatever, I am looking forward to seeing now what little variations, no pun intended, that Jonathan Majors brings to the personalities of each of them. So because what he delivered in the first one, gangbusters, can't wait to see what he does with the rest of them. All right. Next up, uh, Casey McNatt writes, one of two. What are your thoughts as Major's performance in this episode? Well, I've already made that pretty clear. I know he's not uh, the real Kang. Yes, he is the real Kang. Listen, these are all variants of the same individual. This is as real of a Kang as any other Kang we're going to see. But I thought he was brilliant, and I wonder if all... Uh, All the Kang variants we see in the near future could have different personalities. See, I I think so, Casey. I I think you've nailed it there. I think each one is going to be sometimes slightly different, sometimes maybe a little bit more significant. But we're going to see, I think, minor changes each time. And and whether that's just one more time or 60 more times, however many more Kangs we're going to run into. But I do think we're going to see majors bring slight variations to how each of those are portrayed. I think, again, I think it's really interesting that unlike the Loki variants, where sometimes they look just like the regular Loki, sometimes they look very different, all the Kangs all looked exactly the same. As Kang was showing all the different variants variants and telling the story, kind of like the way Jor-El told the story of Krypton in uh, Man of Steel, with the little things coming up, But I thought it was really interesting, and I mentioned this earlier in today's stream. I thought it was really interesting that they all looked exactly the same. Majors even made a joke that they would compliment each other on their noses. I I thought that was really interesting. But I do think we will see differences in their personalities. How big? Not sure. We'll have to see how that goes. But I think you're right about that. All right. Next up. Uh, A3 writes, can I just say Majors, charisma for days? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I loved, like, my exposure to Jonathan Major's performances are very limited. I mainly know him from Lovecraft Country. So I was a little bit nervous we might come into this and just see him playing the same character, but it's totally different. And that tells me a lot about his range, and I'm very excited to see where they go, uh, where he goes with this. All right, next up. Leftover Lobster writes in and tips in like a, a $20 uh, super chat. But thank you for that, Leftover Lobster. Really appreciate that, man. Uh, And Leftover Lobster writes, hey, John, so we all thought it was Kang. (laughs) The majority of people in the last few days leading up to the finale, most people seem to think it was going to be another Loki. Just just to be thinking, a lot of people thought it was going to be another Loki. And for good reason. There there was solid evidence to back that up that a lot of people thought that. Anyway, but it was actually Immortus all along. No, it was Kang. Uh, Variants of the same person, maybe, but two distinct and different characters also felt betrayed by Ms. Minutes. A2 Ms. Minutes? No, make no mistake about it. This this was Kang. And we are going to see the slight changes, but they were all Kang. And he made that pretty clear with the pronunciation that I've been known by many names, a conqueror. I mean, that was him obviously saying, I am Kang the Conqueror. So, and even if you want to move beyond that... They actually use the words he who remains. So, I mean, yes, in the comics, the void, the void castle is the, the, um, the domain of the, uh, of Immortus, 
But still, this this is Kang. We can play semantics all we want, but all the variants are Kang. It, though that's the way I see it. But who knows? Maybe they'll draw those distinctions later on in the show, but I just don't think they will. All right. Uh, where are we at? Emil Johansson writes, Sylvia was right. Free will was more important. Was she? Was she, though? Because all of reality is about to come tumbling down. Was, is free will more important than all of existence being brought to an end? I don't know. Uh, they, that's, I, that's why I like when Jonathan Major says that's the gambit. I mean, it really is. It, it, that was the gambit. I mean, we all know how important free will is, but... How much free will should be sacrificed in order to ensure that the universe and all life in the universe doesn't come to an end? That's the gambit. And it's because because here's the thing. If all life ends, there's no free will. That's the rub, right? So I don't know. I love it when movies or shows present us with a very difficult philosophical or moral question that there's not really an easy answer to. Free will is above all things, but is it above the end of all reality? Because if you take, if you have the end of all life in the universe, then there is no free will left. So, so I don't know. It's a really good question. And I loved it when he got up and said, this is the gambit. And I thought that was great because I love it when shows or movies make us think. And believe me, I, after that episode was done, as I was laying in bed, I was thinking about that. You know, I, I thought it was a great question to ask. So, yeah. All right, <clears throat> guys, listen, my my voice is starting to go. So I we've been going over two and a half hours. So I and I've done two hours earlier today. I don't know how much I got left. So I will push through more uh, that I can. All right. Crashing Coyote writes. Was Loki not considered for Emmys because it missed the day? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was passed. If, if Loki gets considered for Emmys, it'll be for next year. The deadline for the Emmys was a little while ago. Uh, was Loki not considered for Emmys because it missed the deadline? Yes. Or another reason. It was for the deadline. Not that it would have. I don't know that I would have put it up for any Emmys anyway. Uh, I think Majors would easily have won best guest appearance if so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just said I don't know that Loki would have qualified for any Emmys anyway. But you're completely right. I totally would have given it to Jonathan Majors for guest, best guest appearance. Um, uh, I knew it had to be a version of He Who Remains due to us seeing the Citadel at the end of time, but I didn't see them combining him and Kang into one. Well, they kind of are already. Anyway, um, but yeah, but going on the whole Emmy thing, uh, yeah, the deadline for when something can be qualified happens long before the announcement for the nominees come out. So yeah, that, that had passed, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. If at next year's Emmys, we don't see Jonathan majors get nominated for best guest appearance. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. All right. Uh, let's see. Or yeah. Oh, no cap Nova in the live chat is saying that or Richard E. Grant, but here's the thing. I don't think Richard E. Grant qualifies because Richard E. Gant, Richard E. Grant technically appeared in two episodes. And if, if, if I'm right, and I'm not 100% sure about this, but I believe once you appear in more than one episode, you're no longer considered a guest appearance. 
I think at that point you're considered a supporting character rather than a guest appearance. But anyway, that, I, I could be wrong about that. <laughs> Bubba Gump in the live chat says Richard E. Kang. <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh, next up, we got Purple Queen who writes, what a great finale. Definitely enjoyed it. Was was it just me or was Miss Minutes extra creepy in this episode? Uh, her pop her pop up scared me. I don't know if she was extra creepy. I think she seemed a little bit more aware, but she still seemed like Miss Minutes to me. By the way, guys, keep your eyes on the John Campius show um, over the next uh, few days because we are going to be doing a giveaway of this Miss Minutes clock. Real clock that really actually works too. So this minutes, this minutes clock for all time, always. Also, uh, for this very stylish John Campia worn. Ooh, now it's worth something. Uh, John Campia worn uh, TVA jacket. Um, that was sent to me. And uh, I know a lot of you guys would probably love having that stuff. So keep your guys' eyes open. We're going to be doing a giveaway for that uh, in the coming day. So keep your guys, uh, your eyes opened for that. All right. Next up. Um, Elif writes, I enjoyed the episode. I'm excited about season two because it means more Loki, more Ms. Minutes, and more open spoiler discussions with you, John. Well, listen, I, it's the one bummer thing about Loki ending is that it, we don't have another legitimate series now coming till I think October or November. I, I can't remember when the next one comes out. I mean, yeah, there's what if, but I'm not going to be doing pregame shows or spoiler discussions for what if, because they're what if stories or anthologies, they're not connected to each other. So there's not really a lot to do there. So I'm kind of bummed out though. It's going to be, it's going to be a little while before we do these pregame shows and spoiler discussions again. I mean, listen, there'll be spoiler discussions for upcoming movies for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit before we get to do this again with, uh, uh, with the MCU, uh, Disney plus shows or, or the next Mandalorian or the book of Boba Fett and stuff like that. It's going to be a little bit before we get to do this again. Thanks for writing that in Elif. All right, guys, last question of the day. I wanted to go until at least the three hour mark. We're at, uh, we're at two hours and 45 minutes, but you can probably hear it in my voice. My voice is starting to go. So I better wrap this up. Uh, crashing coyote writes, um, is this best year for comic book shows in quality? Last night we had uh, Superman and Lois. I still haven't seen the newest episode of Superman and Lois, but I'm really liking this show. Wow. And Loki plus Falcon, the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Invincible, and The Boys later this year. Might be. It might be. I mean, the only thing that's missing is Umbrella Academy. I mean, to me, the three best comic book shows on TV, understanding that WandaVision was a limited series, so I'm not really counting that. But I think the best three, the three best comic book series uh, on TV are uh, Doom Patrol, Umbrella Academy, and The Boys. I just think those are the three best, 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 highest quality, best writing uh, series that there are. Um, and yeah, this is a great year. We've had WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, it, it, um, Invincible was so good. I enjoyed Invincible so much. Uh, and then we've got the the boys coming back again. We don't know if the boys season three is going to be any good or not. I mean, the first two seasons were awesome. So let's see how season three is. But yeah, it might be. It very well might be. All right. You know, I said that would be the last one. Let's do one more. Uh, the, now the last one is 
Uh, Julie Lilly writes in Disney's Tinkerbell movie, uh, pirate fairy Hiddleston. Oh yes, that's right. Hiddleston voices captain hook. I think was he captain hook or was he another character? I can't I remember seeing a scene of him in the animation with his voice. Uh, I think the Loki's hand getting bit, bitten off in episode five by the alligator variant could be a fun nod to hook and his hands fate. Maybe if so, it is a very obscure reference. If so, because very, 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 very few people on the planet earth ever saw that movie. And out of all the people that did see it, even fewer of them knew that was Tom Hiddleston doing a voice in it. It might've been a reference to something else, or it might not have been a reference to anything at all, but I will concede Julie, there is a possibility that could have been a little bit of a nod to that. Um, I mean, after all, it was a gator that bit off the hand. So maybe, maybe it's just that if it is, it's a very obscure one. But you might be right about that, Julie. You might be right. Okay, guys, listen. There are still many more to come from uh, animated effigy James Germain and on. Do not worry. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a part. I almost call it a companion video. We're gonna do a part two of this tomorrow night. Uh, we'll put out a part two of this. And you know what? I think what I will do since you guys just had me for two hours and forty five minutes. Uh, answering the, a lot of the questions I'm going to see, I, I don't know for sure. I can't guarantee this. And by the way, uh, Kevin cow sends in a super chat badge in the live chat just to be supportive. Thank you, Kevin. I'm going to check. I might reach out to Rob and see if Rob wants to do the rest of them, because that way I'm sure a lot of similar questions will have come in for the next part. But that way, instead of hearing me just give the same answers again, maybe you guys will get a little bit of a different perspective uh, on the answers than me. So I think I'll, I'll give I'll drop Rob a note and see if he wants to do this. Uh, and uh, just so you guys can get a different perspective on some of the same issues that we've already covered in the last two hours, and 45 minutes. So we'll see with that. Either way, if you guys sent in one of the questions, it's going to get answered. So just hang tight with us, guys. Thank you so much. You know what? Give me a, give me a moment here. Thank you so much not only for watching this particular episode, but thank you guys so much for being along this whole Loki journey with me and allowing me to come along with it with you guys as well. Everything from the pregame shows and the spoiler discussions, you guys honestly make watching these shows like Loki way more enjoyable for me. I just, I just find being able to do the pregame shows, the postgame spoilers, it just gets me so much more invested in the shows themselves. So I find watching the shows themselves become even more enjoyable because of you guys, because you let me come along for this journey with you. And by the way, Tina Hesse sends in a super chat batch in live chat. Thank you, Tina. Um, seriously. Thank you guys so much for that. I really appreciate it. Uh, anyway, guys, Thanks for being here and being a part of this. Don't forget the John Campion show returns tomorrow. It should be me and Aaron Cummings tomorrow, provided Aaron doesn't have some top secret shoot. She has to go off and shoot for some TV show. Uh, so hopefully it'll be me and Aaron tomorrow. And of course, Rob will be back on Friday and, and maybe we'll see Rob do part two of this video. Either way, whether it's me or Robert, you're going to get part two of this spoiler review tomorrow as well. So keep your guys eyes open for that guys. Thanks a lot for everything. Loki was a fun ride. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.